Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. back to season six of the referendum podcast brought to you by finflamsports.com with your host big john and lead analyst jesse J. <clears throat> hello everyone this is your host big john and we are back with the referendum brought to you by finflamsports and we are here with lead analyst jesse J. jesse how are you i'm doing well how about you i'm fine myself an, inter- an interesting week of week nine um games that were very entertaining um some interesting headlines coming out of week nine some big games coming up in week 10. Uh, what do you got for us so far? So the latest news we have is that Carson Wentz signed with the Los Angeles, with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they've been dealing with quarterback issues. They had Brett Rippon start last week, really struggled. Carson Wentz comes in. He's going to, he's probably going to play almost immediately for them. Matt Stafford's dealing with a bit of a UCL problem with his elbow. So you wonder if he's probably even going to play again this season. Wentz is the best option they probably could have added at this point in the season. I, I think if you're the Rams, you just you let Wentz play and you just kind of get through the season and then you decide what you want to do at quarterback after the season. But they're clearly having some issues right now there. You have the Tennessee Titans who have decided to start Will Levis and bench Ryan Tannehill. This you can see this coming a mile away because they drafted Levis in the second round. Tannehill's gonna be a free agent after the season. So really you're looking to see if Levis can be a guy who could be your starter in the future. And with Ryan Tannehill. I would expect him to get a little bit of interest in the open market as a veteran option. The Colts brought in free agent wide receiver Sammy Watkins for a workout. This makes sense. The Colts really lack depth at receiver, and Watkins is a veteran receiver who, when he's healthy, I think is serviceable. At this point, he's had multiple injuries. He's about 30 now. So you don't really expect a ton from him, but I think he can be a, an upgrade over what they have. Agreed. Martavis Bryant uh, was signed by the Dallas Cowboys today. Uh, he's He is a receiver who is formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. This was an interesting move for the Cowboys. The Cowboys bring in depth at receiver, and with Martavis Bryant, they really don't have a big receiver like him. You wonder if by the end of the season they try to get him on the active roster and just use him as a bigger body receiver. Miami Dolphins running back Devin Achain should be back for Week 11. Uh, Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray is is going to be making his return this week after a torn ACL. Daniel Jones has 
it is expected that he has torn his ACL and will, and will most likely be out for the season. The Chicago Bears uh, coach, Matt Averflus, is on the hot seat after having a rough few weeks. He joins the ranks of Ron Rivera, Bill Belichick, Arthur Smith as guys who could be filling the hot seat as we get towards the end of the season. Aaron Rodgers claims he'll be back in a few weeks as the starting quarterback of the New York Jets after tearing his Achilles in week one to start the season. Best game of the week. Hold on. Um, was there any news about the Chiefs? Oh, and the Chiefs. How could I forget? The Chiefs are the first team to win in four different countries. The United States, England, Mexico, and now Germany. That's pretty awesome. That really interesting. <clears throat> you think about it. There's not really a ton of teams that could have won in Mexico. It's only it's been kind of limited to a few teams. But the Chiefs being able to be the first team to win in four countries, very cool accomplishment. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, they play. Do you remember the, the game several years ago where they played the what um, the Chargers against Philip Rivers? Did we lose that yeah. game? That game, the Monday night game in Mexico. Daniel yes. Torrance in the end zone in the game. Okay. Okay. That was a great game. Yeah. No. It was. A, it was a fun. It was a fun game. The Chiefs had Mahomes, who had just come back from. It was the second game back from the dislocated kneecap. Uh, the offense really struggled in that game. And then they're able to get the lead. They have the lead late. Philip Rivers was driving in. Of course, he throws a game-ending interception to Daniel Sorensen in the end zone. One of two games that season in which he threw a game-ending interception to Daniel Sorensen. Yes. Um, so there's that. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers claiming that he's going to be back in a few weeks? What do you think about that? So Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's going to be back in a few weeks. Because it, it's moved from a few weeks to now, uh, it could be like six weeks. And I, I just, I think Rodgers was trying to hype people up. And I think he would have maybe tried to push himself, even if he wasn't fully healthy, to be there if they were in the playoffs. But with the way the Jet season is going, if they're not going to be a playoff team, I can't see him coming back. I can't see him coming back to begin with, just given his age and that injury. But the fact that Rodgers is kind of moving his timeline back now, I don't think he's playing at all this season. And that's not even to say that. The, the Jets in six weeks or four weeks are going to be contenders at all. Are, are, you know what I'm saying? You don't know yeah, if they're yeah. have a winning record for them to be competitive. The, the Jets are having major issues at quarterback. And it, uh, Zach Wilson really had one game where he was okay, and it was in the second and third quarter versus the Chiefs. And that kind of tricked the Jets into thinking, okay, maybe he had another level. He hasn't really played like that since. And he had a terrible game versus the Giants in which the oh, Giants right. had a quarterback who they didn't trust to throw the ball. And it just – the entire thing for the Jets is they have the talent on offense. They have the talent on defense. But their quarterback play has been so bad. And it's been it's been probably maybe the worst in the NFL that it's preventing them from getting to the playoffs. And with Zach Wilson, you needed to have somebody who could at least challenge him for the starting job. Why are you not trading for a Josh Jobs? Why are you not calling about Jameis Winston? Why are you not calling about Jacoby Brissett? Those three guys are better than what Zach Wilson is right now. Bad ownership. And, and I know, oh, well, they don't have a ton of draft picks. In, and you can't win the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. But I think just taking that step for the Jets and changing the culture and winning is more important than anything. Because not everyone's going to do what Tom Brady did, which is go to the Super Bowl and win it in his first season with a new team like the Bucs did. But with the Jets, who have been bad, and they just, they've had so many problems. Like, not, not that the Bucs didn't, but the Jets have even been worse than that. They just for years they just do stupid things and them not adding a competent backup quarterback who could come in and be the starter and outplay Wilson is just mind-boggling think of how how much better that team would be if Josh Jobs Jameis Winston or Jacoby Brissett played for them yes agreed um is Robert Sala on the hot seat 
I don't think they're going to fire Robert Sala because the defense has performed well for the most part. And he has the excuse that Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. But I think next season, if they don't start fast, he he's going to get fired. But I okay. can 100% see him getting fired in season in that first five or six weeks if they don't start well next year. Now, what happens if, if he allows um, – if he gives the okay to Aaron Rodgers to play this year and Aaron Rodgers gets hurt again – does he get fired at that point? I think that's on man. That's on management. Well, because he is management. The, the 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 GM is really making. I think the GM is one making that decision. You can't. To me, you don't let Rodgers come back. You you don't. I don't think the Jets are going to be in a position where they're going to be able to make a real run, uh, especially with, with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. Because what they're be, you're going to be what nine and eight in the seven seed. It'd be different mm-hmm. if you had ten or eleven wins, and you were a four or five, or you were a five or six seed. You then okay, we can start to talk about them maybe having a, a chance to make a run in the playoffs. They're probably going to barely get in the playoffs if they were to make it. So n- no, I, I don't think you bring. I don't think you bring it back. And I think if you bring Rogers back and he tore his Achilles for the second time, you fire everybody. You just go ahead and fire everybody because then I, th- we're really talking about Rogers never playing football again. Yep. And there's so many questions. I mean, honestly, still I still have that feel good energy when I watch the Jets because you hope they can do something. It's an under, underdog story, and it's just not looking good right now, especially the way Zach Wilson played the other day. Yeah, and it just it, to to me watching that team, watching a Garrett Wilson, watching a Brees Hall go, kind of misused because they're trying to play real hard and they're good players, but their quarterback every week is going to put them at a disadvantage, and it didn't have to be that way. There were guys out there who are clear, immense upgrades from what Zach Wilson is. I can't argue with that. Um, and then one of the other notes that I've seen is you mentioned Ryan Tannehill. Is Tannehill's career over? No, I, I think he's a veteran quarterback on a team that just has – they're trying to figure out what they're doing, which is why they're playing Will Levis. I, I think if you're a team that needs a quarterback, I think Ryan Tannehill could be an option. Um, you don't really know what the quarterback situation is looking like now because – Obviously, we're still in the middle of the season. My guess is that there will be a team that needs a veteran quarterback and wants a veteran quarterback, and Ryan Tannehill will be an option for them. Because I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's great. But I, I, I think you can get another year or two of not great play, but serviceable play out of him. I think he's a service, uh, serviceable backup. He, and, and he's that not going to start because he's so injury-prone anymore. That, that may be what it is, is that if you have a young quarterback or you're really trying to make a run. If you're a team like Cleveland, for example, do you sign Ryan? When it comes to Deshaun Watson, He's had injury problems, and you can't really trust him to play through pain. So you wonder what you do at back of quarterback. And in this case, you go get a Ryan Tannehill, who I think is going to want to play on a winning team. And he knows he'll probably get a chance to play at some point. So I think you go out, and if you're in Cleveland, you try to get a Ryan Tannehill as your backup. I don't see him starting. I don't see – I mean, he's so injury-prone that some of these these injuries he's had are they're, – they're, they're sketchy just even hearing about it if you're a GM – yeah, wanting well, to it, at least boost their team some type. But yeah, but team you you see teams every year get desperate at quarterback, and Ryan Tannehill has at least shown that he can be serviceable. I think at this point he probably is a backup, but that doesn't mean you can't. If you're a good team, you don't sign him. If you're a team like Cleveland that has had problems at quarterback, you sign him. If you're a team like the Bengals who Burrow in the offseason has had a tendency to kind of get a little bit nicked up. You maybe sign a Ryan Tannehill to stop starting slow in the season so that you could try to get a one or two seed. I, I, th- I think if you're a team that's good, you're trying to get Tannehill on your team because he 
while maybe not reliable as a starting quarterback, can be a spot starter for you. Where do you think he goes, honestly? If I were Cleveland, I would I would definitely take a look at Ryan Tannehill because you can't trust Deshaun Watson to stay healthy. I trust P.J. Walker more than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I, I just think if Ryan, if Ryan Tannehill is healthy, he's a better player than what P.J. Walker is. I don't agree with that. He, 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 he just is. I think part of the issue with Tennessee is that they have – they have they have Jadir Hopkins who's still good, but they're still trying to figure out pieces other pieces offensively. And you need to play Will Levis. If they didn't have Will Levis, I think they would have tried to bring Ryan Tannehill back. But the reason they drafted Will Levis is because they're they've been actively trying to move off Ryan Tannehill for a couple of years. They drafted Malik Willis last year. They draft Levis this year. They're taking flyers, and with Levis, he's played well enough where you you want to try to give him extra starts. And I I think Tannehill, if you give him a good old line, is serviceable. The problem with Tennessee is that their O-line's not been serviceable. That's fair. Okay. Well, those are the, uh, the headlines of the week. Jess, what's your game of the week? My game of the week was the Cowboys and the Eagles. Back and forth game, came down to the end, and, of course, the Cowboys shoot themselves in the foot at the end. And compl- from, a, from a quarterback perspective, from a coaching perspective, they fell apart. It was a very good game. It was an entertaining game. Um, and Dak Prescott played very well. Uh, I, but I will say that – Dallas's defense in the second half was non-existent. Um, for a team that's had the most takeaways over the past few years, to not really have any and to cause no pressure on Jalen Hurts, pretty disappointing. Um, I think it was an anomaly for Dak Prescott to play this well, but he always plays well against the Eagles. Um, I don't think I, – I, Just to jump in real quick, I think that's more of the Eagles. Like Dak Prescott's going to be – Dak Prescott's going to be a little bit inconsistent. But I think this is more of the Eagles, their defense, when you can protect your quarterback, if he's good enough, if he's just a average or above quarterback, he can kind of pick apart the Eagles defense. We saw Kirk Cousins earlier in the season really kind of get after the Eagles defense. The big issue they had was that they had some sloppy play, which led to that loss. Yes. Well, and another note on Dak Prescott, you could see age has gotten to him. There was a uh, two-point conversion attempt at the end, at, towards the end of the game. And about five years ago, he was going to be able to make make that out on the on the right side of the wing, and then go in for a touchdown. He didn't. He stepped out. Um, age is getting to Dak Prescott, and the time for the Cowboys to do anything with Dak Prescott that 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 gap is closing and getting more narrow and more narrower for them to win with him. They're going to have to come to a decision who they're going to start. Dak Prescott played well, but he is not the starting quarterback that the Dallas Cowboys need to go forward because he is not the, the quarterback that can make those clutch throws and plays for them like they need to be done. Well, to me, he, the Cowboys remind me a lot of the they're, – they're like the NFC version of the Bills. They're in a spot where they've got talent, but they're probably not championship caliber. So what do you do? Do you try to double down and just keep adding players and pushing things down the road, or do you actually kind of blow the team up a little bit and try to rebuild because, and that's not to say that the Bills should get rid of Josh Allen, but they're at a point where they need to start kind of reorganizing their roster and getting younger. And I think the Cowboys are in the same place where you have some guys who are highly paid guys who you're going to pay like Michael Parsons. And you need to figure out if you're going to trade some guys, move some guys around and how to get more youth into the team by draft picks or what? Because that's really good. I mean, I would take a guy like CD lamb who I think is a good player. But he at times has shown up inconsistent and been inconsistent in big games. This this week he was good, but you're right. This week he, the thing is with him, he has no voice. So to say he's your number one receiver, 
Well, tell me. Well, he's not going to tell you. He did show you this week that he is capable of being a number one receiver because he had over 190 yards receiving. But tell me how it is in two weeks. And that, and that's exactly the point. Do you pay C.D. Lamb that big money, or do you try trading him and maybe draft a pair, uh, pair of receivers and get younger and use that money to improve the offensive line or get a get another cornerback to, so that if Trevon Diggs were to get injured again, you have somebody else who can come in and play lockdown at corner. And I think right. that, that the Cowboys are, is they're going to have to start making decisions on some of these guys and start maybe thinking about training some of these players to try to get picks and get more youth and keep more cap space to really kind of nail some of the bigger needs. I also kind of think that the biggest problem still, and I've said it weeks ago, is Mike McCarthy. His play calling sucks. He needs to allow Brian Schottenheimer, who is the offensive coordinator, to take the, to take the lead in play calling. Mike McCarthy, to me, is holding that team back offensively. Well, they were a little I, bit more aggressive in the second half. I know they had over 163 yards um, offensively just in the fourth quarter alone, but they didn't score. Shit. Well, and I think you could really see it in, in some of the big situations where it looked like the Cowboys weren't 100% organized, and it led to them having mistakes. And that usually comes down from a coach being indecisive. And when it comes to Mike McCarthy, I can't think of a guy who looks more indecisive than Mike McCarthy. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, do, do you agree with my uh, analysis yeah. about Mike McCarthy that he is the problem? I, I I don't think he is the singular problem, but I think he is the main problem. I think if that team had a better coach than Mike McCarthy, they would have beat a team like the Eagles because they had every chance to. But I think, obviously, Dak in the game taking the big sack, you can't do that. But I felt like some of the situational and some of the play calling late in the game, if you have a better coach, you probably win that game. Oh, I, I agree 100%. Um, my game of the week. I have the Minnesota Vikings, who defeated the Atlanta Falcons 31-28, where you saw a very captivating match between two very good starting backup quarterbacks and Taylor Heineke and Joshua Dobbs, who was just traded to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, an exciting game, a thrilling game towards the, the last few minutes of, of regulation, and Heineke had the, the go-ahead touchdown for what everybody believed to be the win. It wasn't it. Joshua Dobbs had a miracle in, in, in Atlanta for Minnesota um, taking the game. Yeah, this game, I, I, I didn't think Taylor Heineke played great, but he played well enough for them to win. He played, he played well enough for them to win. He gave them the lead late, and their defense let Josh Dobbs, who had been there for a couple days, come in and take the game over late. That, that's one of those yeah. ones where Atlanta, you can't lose a game like that. And that's Atlanta. That's the defense. That's the fault for the, of the defense for, of, of Atlanta. Yeah, no, Heineke did what he's supposed to do. Obviously, he had the pick, and you don't want that. But late Correct. in the game, gives you the lead. That's the reason you're, play, you're playing Taylor Heineke over a Desmond Ritter, is that when it comes down to crunch time, you have a veteran quarterback who can lead you downfield, and he did it. It's just that they couldn't stop Joshua Dobbs at the most important times, which is has to be frustrating considering Dobbs just got to the Vikings. And just, you know, I've spoken about, and I've been high on Joshua Dobbs um, all year, and he proved it again. If this was put him in the right situation. Go ahead. Oh no, yeah, this was a great trade if you're the Vikings, and it's something that the Jets should have done. Is you brought in a quarterback who has shown that he could be serviceable, and he played pretty well for a Cardinals team that doesn't really have a ton going for it. And what did you see? You saw him use his mo- you saw him use his mobility, and you saw him really make some great throws. And this is why you trade for a guy like Josh Dobbs is to give yourself to give yourself a fighting chance in this in this game without your quarterback. And to be fair, this Joshua Dobbs, 
did not look anything like he did playing for the Tennessee Titans. This Joshua Dobbs, who was playing for the Arizona Cardinals, has been nothing but spectacular in just his his fight and grit all season. Um, and it it carried over to Minnesota, and I'm very glad to see that because you know the circumstances regarding Kirk Cousins and Minnesota and him tearing his tearing his ACL. This gives them a fighting chance and gives them hope going forward. Yeah. Um, I think what you see is what confidence does in the quarterback. The Cardinals, when they acquired Josh Dobbs, they immediately said, this is our starter. He's going to be our guy until, you know, Kyler Murray came back. I don't think they expected him to play so well that they'd be able to trade him. But you, he came in and they said, this is our guy. We're going to game plan around him. It gave him confidence. And then he goes to a team like Minnesota, who had started to find their stride offensively. Kevin O'Connell, their head coach, really found rhythm with play call with play calling. Um, and what you saw in this game was a quarterback playing with confidence with a good, confident play caller, and it led to them being able to win that game late. I couldn't agree more. Um, I would say that I have more faith in Heineke making the plays than the uh, than the offensive coordinator or Arthur Smith calling the plays for he, that offense on in he, Atlanta. It, it's just been so uneven with him. I mean, he, he's he's just he's kind of an interesting character because he's just, he's. I don't want to. I don't want to say weird because I feel like that. That's kind of mean. But I just feel like Arthur Smith just is kind of combative, and sometimes it feels like he coaches combative to his team. Well, it should be interesting. It should be interesting to see if Taylor Heineke is going to start this week. He was an asshole last week on um, on the stand, taking questions from the press, whether or not Taylor Heineke was going to be the starting quarterback going forward, and he said this is a one week thing. Okay, well, this is a one-week thing. What does that do to your team's confidence? Because they looked a lot more energetic when Taylor Heineke got in that game last week and then the other day when he played. So I didn't see that energy with, with Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter just oozes blah. Heineke just oozes raw. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and I mean, you look at it. You had Jonu Smith, who had five catches, 100 yards. Kyle Pitts, four catches, 56 yards. They really, I think the biggest thing for the Falcons is they look confident that their quarterback could get them the ball. Even if things weren't always going right, they were still confident with Taylor Heineke. With Desmond Ritter, you can't really trust his play, and you can't trust him not to turn the ball over. And to me, that is a big negative. Maybe he might have more upside than Heineke, but not right now. And Heineke, if you want to win right now, is your quarterback. He's the better option. Correct. So the the Vikings, who were 5-4, um, they go to 5-4, and four, and the Falcons... They made the effort to go above 500, but that Joshua Dobbs miracle, I mean, that caused the, Fal- the Falcons to go four and five. Um, this should be interesting going forward regarding Arthur Smith, but more for that later. What's on your uh, uh, next on the list, Jess? So we're going to go to we're, we're going to go to our top five disappointments of the week. And I'll start off with my number one disappointment, which is the Cowboys situational awareness, whether it be coaching or quarterback. It was a complete disaster. Dak Prescott taking a bad sack at the end of the game. I felt like some of Mike McCarthy's red zone plays were not very good. Agreed. Uh, Overall, I just – this is why the Cowboys are who they are, and this is why they have not won is because they they want a guy like Mike McCarthy who's going to make Jerry Jones happy as opposed to getting somebody who is a legit coach and can give you schematic advantages, which is something that Dak Prescott needs because – I think he's a really good quarterback, but he's not the guy who's going to normally make the play to win you a game in a game like this. You need to kind of have a coach who's going to give him a schematic advantage to win the game. And you saw 100% in this game that Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, not a great combination late in the game. Well, um, I think you're right. 
Dak Prescott needs it to be laid out and thought out. It's almost like two wrestlers coming together to form out a match of how it's going to be laid out, correct? Yeah, I mean, have, I'm sorry? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, you need confidence in each other, and it just feels like it feels like Dak and Mike McCarthy are constantly pushing against each other, which when you see late in games, it feels like things are – it doesn't feel like things are even, and then it feels like it's a bit chaotic, especially in the last two years with the playoff games. Things feel chaotic at the end of the game, and I think that relates back to coaching. Okay, so I'm going to say the same thing, um, but add more to that, and that's saying that I think they are kind of butting heads for the simple fact is neither one of those guys gets you excited. Dak probably gets you more excited because of his his play or because the lack of it, um, at least, and that's another emotion, he gets you more pissed. But Mike McCarthy shows no emotion. He's like, it's no no emote at all. Um, and I think both of those personalities just clash. Because they're not very outspoken. Both, neither one of them are the, are the leader of the Dallas Cow- Cowboys. Um, I, I don't, I don't like the fit for them at all. Um, I didn't like the hire of Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy um, coaches lazy. He has no fight in, in on the sideline. Not that I see, um, unless there's something like egregious that happens. That's the only emotion you may see him um, emote. Other than that, there's nothing else there. And I think this is a horrible marriage between these two people. Yeah, I, I just think you've seen late in games. There is there is an issue that when you really need a play, Dak can at times do it, but you know what's really going to help him? Somebody who gives him a schematic advantage. And Mike McCarthy, to me, is not that guy. And when I, I feel like, even with Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy had situations in which he bumbled and fumbled the end of games. So if he's doing that with Aaron Rodgers, it's going to even be worse with Dak Prescott, which if you look at them losing the, the San Francisco 49ers the last two years in the playoffs, if you look at those two games, a lot of it was just Mike McCarthy not really knowing what was going on and them looking confused at the end of games. I couldn't agree more. Uh, my number one disappointment is Michael Parsons' post-game interview as he declared he and the Cowboys are more confident now coming out of the loss. What the fuck? He sounds delusional. He's been giving his commentary a lot. You know, he's got his own podcast and stuff like that. Um, but he makes it sound like as, like as if he's proven. He has proven nothing in this league. Much less last year, he did great for the first half, and then he just disappeared for ha- for the rest of the year last year, past the midpoint. This year, it's up and down. This game itself, he played great, got a sack and a half. After the beginning of the third, it was gone. He was nowhere to be found. And I have a beef with Stephon Gilmore. I just don't think he's playing up to what he should be playing. And I think they, they shouldn't have signed him in the first place. But this is what uh, Michael Parsons said in the post-game interview. We know we played good enough to win that game, Parsons said, via the athletic. But we didn't. That's just how the, that's just how the dice rolls sometimes. Sometimes you play good enough, and good enough isn't good enough. That's just the reality of the game. I feel like we have even more confidence now. I feel like everybody had had us out and everyone was praising this Eagles team. Obviously, we gave them their best fit. I'm not even going to spit fuel on the fire. We'll see them again in four weeks. That makes zero fucking sense to me. How do you come away from a loss being more confident? Well, I went through a game being more confident. Yeah, I I think you were the leader of the team. You take more responsibility for what you didn't do in this game. Because if you don't execute it next game, then what? This isn't like the Kansas City Chiefs and the, these guys are proven. And Chris Jones is saying this. This is Michael Parsons who has proving nothing, who has disappeared repeatedly year after year. Chris Jones has has that freedom to say that because he's established himself as one of the best five defenders in the league. 
top three even. Micah Parsons has not. He's supposed to be the leader of the team. There is no leader of that Dallas Cowboys team because of somebody like him who's very gifted but extremely delusional. If this was the Kansas City Chiefs, I would give them a pass because they have earned it. But if you're saying that I'm getting more confidence coming out of this game after a loss, that what? Camp Chancellor would Camp Chancellor would never have said that. Richard Sherman would never have said that. Where, where in your mind does this say that makes any sense whatsoever? This tells your fucking teammates it's okay, guys. We we did okay. I know we didn't win. You need to fucking be the guy that says, "Listen, I know I fucked up. I didn't do good. We didn't do good. We got to go back to the drawing board. See what we got to do next time and beat these motherfuckers. We play them in four more weeks. Let me see the fire. Let me see the grit. You're not showing that." You're showing some patty cake bullshit that your that your team is full of. Mike McCarthy, patty cake bullshit. Dak Prescott, patty cake bullshit. Jerry don't Jerry Jones, delusional. This whole thing is why people think of this team and this organization as the country club fucks because of a fucking mindset and a comment like this. I am really pissed about this shit. That doesn't make any fucking sense. You have earned nothing. The Dallas Cowboys have earned nothing in the past twenty five years. 27 years, however long it's been. Like Again, if it was the Chiefs or Tom Brady saying something like this, they have the right to say it. You have no right to say anything stupid like this. And this, if I'm your teammate, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Go ahead, Jess. So I think if you're Mike Parsons, I think he's trying to project confidence because they did play him in a closed game. But and they, they lost. And he didn't I, do good. I do think they can beat the Eagles. But that's one of those ones where you just kind of, like you that you have to kind of keep that as internal confidence and just within the team. I don't think that's something you want to just say immediately after the game that you lost. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, and I feel like that's a little bit of an issue with maybe coaching. that I don't, the Chiefs, I, when they were struggling against the Bengals, they knew they could beat the Bengals, but what did they? They didn't come out and say, uh, "Oh, we should, we should have beat the we should have beat the Bengals. We should have done this, whatever." They exactly. went out and did it. They went out and actually did it. So a team like the Cowboys, you're better off just, you know, you can keep that confidence internally, but when you start going out and saying a bunch of stuff, I feel like that that's when it creates an issue and it puts a lot of pressure on your team, your coach, and your quarterback. And I feel like Michael Parsons a lot of times just kind of puts his foot in his mouth. And this is one of the one of the examples of him doing it. I mean, this guy has even criticized the Chiefs. Well, and, and, that's saying, the and, and saying that they're not that good. That's part of the problem with Michael Parsons is you you're talking about a team that's been in two in the la, in three of the last four Super Bowls. They have two rings. They're not on. They're on a completely different level than what you are. Like, I know we think of the Cowboys as oh they're America's team. All this they haven't been to a Super Bowl in what thirty years. I mean, it's been 
30 years since they've been to an NFC championship game or something like that. It, right. You got you got to reestablish yourselves as winners. Right now, you're what? The Bills. You're, you're basically the Bills. And even the Bills went to a, a championship game or an AFC championship game. Like, if you're the Cowboys, you got to win a playoff game. You got to get to an NFC championship game. You can't project this amount of confidence when you haven't done anything. And I feel like you didn't hear Dak Prescott saying that, but you hear Michael Parsons saying that. I feel like that's kind of an issue with the team is that you want Dak to be the voice of the team, but Michael Parsons ends up being the voice of the team. And I don't think he's the person you want being the voice of the team. So you basically are saying the same thing I said. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think you, I think you mostly hit it on the, on the head. I think I understand what Michael Parsons was trying to do though, with projecting confidence, but it's one of those things where you just can't, you gotta, you gotta say that after you beat them. That's something you say after you beat them. So you hold that in for the next four weeks, you beat the Eagles, then you kind of unleash like that. I felt like this was this was just kind of trying to justify something that you should have kept kind of internally in the locker room. That's something you, you're telling the guys is, hey, we were right there. We should have beat them. We got to exactly. we do that. And instead, he just wanted to go out and say that into the media. And I felt like that wasn't probably the right thing to do. And it's not even like it was just – Two or three days after the game, it's directly after the game. Well, yeah, if he was if he was talking to someone about that game and he had a couple of days to reflect and be like, man, we should have beat them, and that, yeah, we could play with them. I think it would have came off better immediately after the game, talking on talking about, oh, well, we were the underdogs, and well, you were the underdog who still lost. Like, it does sound like sour grapes. I agree with you. Um, I I don't like that at all. Um, he has made very controversial statements. Um, just regarding his hot takes this year, um, especially regarding the Kansas City Chiefs. I would, I'm kind of surprised you haven't brought that up at all this year. But um, I mean, yeah. Mike Parsons, he, I would if it was maybe not Mike Parsons who says dumb shit or controversial shit every week. Right. OK. Um, thank you, Jess. Who's your number two uh, disappointment of the week? So it, it, for me, it was the Seattle Seahawks. They're inconsistent again. I feel like one week they could they could be a team that makes the NFC Championship game. The next week, I feel like they're going to be a one and done in the playoffs. And it's just that 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 team got absolutely throttled by the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens are good, but I the Ravens have two wins, and I think it shows how kind of weak the NFC is. Where they throttled the Lions, they throttled the Seahawks, and you're starting to feel the hype for the Ravens. And that's something I think we'll get to a little bit later. But you're you're starting to see the hype for the for the Ravens, and I took more of a concern out of the Seahawks for this game that the Seahawks maybe aren't as good as I thought they could be. They, they still, look, they still look, look like the same team they were last year. Yeah. And they, well, and one of my biggest problems is our disappointments. It's later on down the list, but I'm just going to bring it up now. Who's, who's the play caller for Geno Smith? Is it Pete Carroll? I don't believe so. I, I don't know who their offense coordinator is. Because I know he was very protective and, and was in Russell Wilson's ear. For most of the time he was there. I just don't know what the input he has with Geno Smith. They say he's the quarterback whisperer too, like Andy Reid is. So I'm just trying to figure out what the hell happened and where does the blame for Pete Carroll come in? Where where does it go? You know what I'm saying? Is it, ne- is it necessary Is it necessary to put most of the blame on him? I mean, the offensive line did not do good whatsoever. I think some of it goes back to the point that Last year, I felt like they had a little bit more of an identity offensively where they were run the ball, play action. Uh, and, and, and it felt like this team's going to run the ball 30 times. They're going to go play action. Gino could hit you downfield. And it felt like they had a more uh, an identity offensively. In this game, they had 15 carries of 28 yards. I don't think the Seahawks are built to throw the ball as much as they do. I think they got to establish the run game. 
and establish play action. And I think that really makes their offense go. So if I would point to one thing, it's that they have Geno Smith, who I think is a good quarterback, but he's not really one of those top tier guys. I want throwing the ball 40 times a game. I and agree. In this game in this game, he only had 28 attempts, but it's mainly because the Ravens controlled most of it. I feel Correct. like if they establish the run and they get that down, I believe it'll start to open up their offense and we'll see them play a little bit better and more like they did to the end, towards the end of last year. Well, I mean, and they have a very good receiving core. I honestly don't know what happened. I mean, I just – and he only had one, one pick, Geno Smith. He went 13 for 28, which is not good, but – It also feels like Geno's not seeing pressure as well as he did last year. I feel like – I mean, I know the I Ravens agree with have, that. The, the Ravens have a good defensive line, but I feel like a couple of those sacks he just kind of ran into or he held the ball too long. It feels like he's just been a tick off. And I go back to what happened against the Bengals, where it just felt like he was he was a little bit slow processing and it caused a couple sacks, it caused an interception. I think he had a fumble in that game too. And it just feels like he's just a little bit off. And I think if you can get some of the if you can get the run game going and you can start hitting play action down the field, I think it'll get him back in a rhythm. Well, I hope he, I hope they actually do pull it together. I think Pete Carroll can do it. It's just whether or not Geno Smith in his head can figure it out and say, listen, slow down. Let me control the game. Let me process everything. Let's not get rushed. And if it's up to the fucking offensive line to give him that time to do what he's got to do. So that was my – I had two issues with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so I took two out. Um, so I'm going to just go with um, the Tyreek Hill situation. Tyreek Hill completely imploded and possibly cost his team a victory against the Kansas City Chiefs as as he fumbled the ball in one of the greatest defensive plays I've ever seen in my life that included a toss and a score touchdown from Cook on defense. Um, the Chiefs beat the Dolphins 21-14 in Germany in um, a very entertaining game, at least defensively for the Chiefs. Um, Tyreek Hill came into this game talking a lot of shit. Um, not hard daggers at the Chiefs, but more bravado of what he was going to do. He said if he didn't score a touchdown, he was going to not be able to sleep. Well, he didn't score a touchdown. He turned the ball over, and he cost the team more than likely a possible, a good chance of winning the game. That's my number two. That's my number four, actually. So who's your number uh, three, three, Jess? Well, just to go back to the Tyreek thing a little bit, I think what you saw in that game was the Dolphins' flaws, which is their offensive line is not great, and when – when Tua can't throw to a, a direct spot and you get really physical with them, they have issues functioning on offense. And I think that's what happened in that game. My number three is Josh Allen has uneven play and just the Bills overall play. I felt like this was a game they could have won. I know people are hyping up the Bengals and I think they play really well. And the most encouraging thing, if you're a Bengals fan is you saw Joe Burrow the last couple of weeks, he's looked like the old Joe Burrow. I feel like the Bills could have won this game. They just had too many mistakes and they, it just felt like, that's a team that maybe a couple years ago wins that game. But this this doesn't feel like a playoff team right now. They don't look like a playoff team. They look like a 9-8, and 8-9 eight, eight and team that's going to have to kind of blow things up. Just with Josh Allen, his uneven play, their defense has a bunch of injuries and guys out for the season. They just don't look like a team that I think is a contender. They don't. Um I say it every week now because of everything you've always said, Josh Allen is going to do Josh Allen things. And he did him in this game. And I think the worst thing that ever happened to him, it was the best and worst thing, was that playoff game against the Chiefs in which they score a bunch of touchdowns late, but they end up losing. Because it's like he's trying to recap. It feels like he does. recap. He's trying to recapture that moment. I think I heard Nick Wright say that on First Things First. Is that He keeps trying to recapture that game. 
And I feel like that's a part of his issue because at times he just doesn't take some of the easy stuff and he tries forcing big plays downfield and it usually gets him into mistakes. Well, this is where we see him put his body in the line where his dumbass wants to run when he's got a receiver wide open, right 20, 20 yards in front of him by himself. Yeah, and it just feels like the Bills are in a position where they're going to have to make some big decisions. And I think it's time for them to kind of blow that team up and just try to get more youth injected in that team. And also, you got to start looking at the GM. They've drafted some good players, but I don't really see star players. I don't really see guys who are making difference. They're making differences week in and week out. They have good players. They've had they have some hits, but I don't see a guy like a Legarius Need or Trent McDuffie to kind of compare them to the Chiefs. Two guys who I think are really good corners, and they make a legit difference when the Chiefs play. Oh, I com- I completely agree. Um, my number five disappointment of the week is the Kansas City Chiefs offense. It's been a huge gripe of mine since week one. This game for both quarterbacks was not the greatest. Tua for the Dolphins went 21 for 34 with 193 yards and one touchdown. And Mahomes went 20 for 30, 185 yards and two touchdowns. Not explosive. They had the best drive of the season, the first drive of the game. After that, they were squandering, wandering, scratching, clawing. I actually thought things you shouldn't do if you if you're supposed to be considered the best team in the AFC. I actually thought their second touchdown was probably the best drive. I, mean, I think it was like a 95-yard touchdown drive. I think the biggest issue for the Chiefs is that one, one of them is that I know Kadarius Tony really struggled in week one. They got to play him more. He had one catch for, what, 15 yards in this game, and it was he looked explosive. He looked by far the most electric receiver the Chiefs have. I think, it's, I think you have to shorten this receiver rotation, and you got to run the ball a little bit more. I'm not saying you got to be the Titans and run the ball 30 times, but the Chiefs last year, what, they ran the ball 15, 16 times a game? I think if you bump that up to around 20 and you start kind of shortening your receiver rotation, I feel like that would fix a lot of the problems with this offense. They just refuse to do that, and I think that's something they got to kind of reevaluate as they go into this bye week. Well, why didn't Travis Kelsey get the ball more? I think it's, be- I think it's because it's the last two weeks. It's, it's having a hard time getting him the ball because he's being doubled, and you're having one-on-ones with other guys, and they're not able to win consistently. A well, a way to get around that is to play a guy like Kadarius Tony Moore, who we saw him in the one catch he had, got away from this guy in one-on-one, and you could see how electric he is when he has the ball. Well, I I, I, I mean, if he's the number one, he is, the, for a tight end, he's the number one receiver on that team. He's the number one threat on that team. And I worry that Travis may be going, he's letting things get to his head, in my no, personal I, belief. I, I'm, I'm going to read you what Nick Lowry said, formerly the Kansas City Chiefs. Nick Larry said, I'm just going to say this once. I adore my Chiefs. I love Patrick. I love Travis. And it's been fun witnessing the Taylor factor, as long as it's not a distraction. However, when I saw Travis watching the World Series in Texas on a Friday night before a road game, do I have to finish the sentence? It's always about staying hungry and humble. We don't know what time he got home on Friday night, but it's a distraction. And it's not a good message to the rest of the team. Travis is phenomenal, full of uh, a full of life, true leader, and human being, and one of the greatest chiefs of all time. Period, and one of my favorite people anywhere. We will be, we will bounce back. Let this be a lesson, though. He's right, though. I think the Taylor Swift shit is starting to fucking be a distraction. No, I think and, he's full. Of shit. I'm sorry. I think he's full of shit. Travis Kelsey was just the leading receiver against the Broncos. I know they lost the game. He was their leading receiver. What, and by, with this week, it's just I Are think you a lot me he's got dead. jet lag. No, no, I I think. The biggest issue is just if you look at what happened, it's that 
when they scored their first touchdown, who was the guy they threw it to? It was Rasheed Rice. When they had the second touchdown, who who converted a crucial third and five? It was Rasheed Rice. He only had a couple targets in this game. He only had two catches, 15 yards, and he's their second best receiving threat. I think some of it's on coaching. I think some of it's on the guys they're putting out there, and it's some of it is them not being situationally smart, like running the ball. Third, You have third one late in the game. Run the ball. I think a lot of it goes to some of those guys. I don't think it's Travis Kelsey because we just saw him against the Broncos. He had a good game early, and then what happened? They started to double him, and then none of these guys can win one-on-one. So no matter how to- many times he's double-teamed or triple-teamed, in this game he had seven receivers with more yards than he had. Yeah, th- that's because teams are actively looking. In the past, if you did that, if you doubled Travis Kelsey, Juju could win one-on-one last year. He could win Still, one-on-one. That's, that's an excuse because we've seen it repeatedly. Where no, he because- himself individually in a game is the best player on the field without the, with the exception of Patrick Mahomes. I- I'd like to point to this one thing, though. What happened in the Super Bowl last year? Kelsey was really dominant in the first half, did not do much in the second half. He only had one catch, I believe. But what happened? Juju had five or six catches in the second half. Why did that happen? Because they were doubling Kelsey. They were getting real physical with him. Juju had a lot of one-on-ones, and when they went to zone, he was finding spaces. They got to do the same thing with Rasheed Rice. He's got to get more targets. If they do that, it's going to open up Travis Kelsey. It is. It just is. I think some of this falls on the coaching staff for some of their – Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free and anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lack of ability of adjusting. I don't feel like they've had a good year adjusting and calling plays around some of the deficiencies the receiving core has. I don't think it's Travis Kelsey going out with Taylor Swift. I think it's the, the coaching has not been up to the standard we're used to it being. They're not putting these guys in the best position to win. I took. I look at a guy like Sky Moore. They keep playing him on the outside, and he's having issues. They start to move him around a little bit, and you start to see him effective. I don't think he's ever going to be a great player. I mean, maybe he does. Maybe Bruce wrong. It does. But I still think he can be a good player. I think you got to just start moving him around. And their lack of creativity and ability to have guys move around and their openness to moving guys around is the bigger problem than Travis Kelsey. Well, the play calling certainly misses um, what people are, are saying is Eric Bieniemy is the biggest factor of why the Chiefs offense is not as, as explosive as it used to be. Um, no, I, I, I don't even think it's a Matt Nagy issue or Eric Bieniemy being gone. I think it goes back to Andy Reid. And when it goes back to Andy Reid, I go back to the third one play late in the game. Give the ball to Isaiah Pacheco. He is I know you don't have a fullback this year, but you can bring in an extra offensive lineman, bring in a defensive tackle as a fullback if you have to. Run the ball. That's all you had to do. Run the ball or QB sneak it. But his 
he doesn't want to keep me sneaky because he doesn't want Mahomes to get hurt. Although the one time he did, it was a freak accident. And then they they don't they're his resistance to bring in somebody to play fullback and just running power with your running back. I, I feel like that's the bigger issue. So when we can point, we can point to one play, and I think it all goes back to Andy Reid. What is the biggest issue with the Chiefs? It's play calling in certain thing in, in certain situations. The biggest the biggest the biggest example for me be it's third and one. The obvious thing is to run the ball. It wasn't even third and one. It was like third and a half yard. You run the ball mm-hmm. up the middle or you QB sneak it, and Andy Reid had a pass play that was kind of a long developing play. I I think it all goes back to kind of Andy Reid. I don't think it would matter if Eric Bienemy is on the team or Matt Nagy being the OC. I do think if Bienemy was still OC, I think the wide receiver stuff probably would have been figured out by now. I think they would have shortened the rotation and they wouldn't be playing as many guys as they have been playing this year. But I think a majority of it falls on Andy Reid and just kind of their their overall reliance on things that have worked in the past. But instead of them being just gimmicks, they're a functional part of the offense and they haven't been working. And he continues to use those things that haven't been working. Correct. Well, I mean, there's going to be a change that's going to have to happen within the, with seriously within the next week. Um, and if, we, to- if we still can't score, then the Chiefs are not going to be a, a massive threat in the playoffs. They're not. Uh, and, and if you look at Andy Reid, typically after the bye week is when you start to see a lot of the big changes with this with this team. You saw a little bit, they played Sky Moore a little bit less, and they kind of used him a little bit differently than they had been using him this entire season. And he had two catches and was, I thought, decently effective. I did too. I think once we go into this bye week, this is the time where Andy Reid kind of reevaluates things. He sees what's working and hasn't worked. And I think we're going to see a completely different team. It, it may not be immediately because they play the Eagles immediately. And that's a team they might kind of hold some stuff back because they might see them again. But I think, as you see, they play teams like the Raiders. They play teams like the Patriots. They play teams like the Packers. You're going to see some experimentation. And I think we're going to, you're maybe not going to see an offense as good as last year, but I think you'll see an offense that is efficient and good considering the state of play of offense around the league. This well, you better hope it's efficient because the, the, through nine weeks now, they haven't been well, great. They haven't been, and, to me, they haven't been I, efficient, and they have not been consistent. They've been consistently would, bad at on offense. I would appoint, I point, though, most teams in the – I mean, if you just look at offense overall in the NFL, scoring is down. So if you're the Chiefs, you have one of the better defenses in the NFL, and you have a great coach and a great quarterback, a coach who's known for being able to turn things around, especially last year. What happened in the second half of last year? They used Jerick McKinnon. He had a lot of touchdowns, and he became a valuable threat. We saw a little bit of in this game. He had a 14-yard receiving touchdown. I, I, would also see, like, go ahead. I think we're going to see the Chiefs start to make changes, and I feel pretty confident. It may not be the best offense in the NFL, but it'll be way better than it is now. Well, see, I would also like to say that and I, to your point, One last thing. I don't think they need the best offense in the NFL. They just need their offense to be able to – not turn, you got to limit the turnovers, which I think they did a better job of in this game. Uh, they had the Mahomes sack fumble, but I, I think you saw them overall do a better job of taking care of the ball. Well, they got to score. I they I, have to I, score. I, period. I, I think some of that is just they've had red zone issues in this game. It felt like the play calling was just a little bit off once they got the big lead, which is another kind of issue with Andy Reid at times. He takes his foot off the gas. I think we're going to see them kind of rework some things. And it may not be the first week after the bye week. It may not be the second week. But I think as we start getting into December, I think we're going to really see this offense hit its stride and start peaking as you go into the playoffs. Well, this offense better get it kicked up a notch or at least five more because the more and more we go down the end of the se- towards the end of the season and you see an offense just like the Chiefs still have, which has been consistently bad since week one, the Tyreek Hill factor is going to come into play 
where they got away with it last year. They and now they have last hold year. on, and now they have no wide receivers besides Travis Kelsey to make this team dynamic. They That's the thing. They, they got they, away with it last year. They were able they to win a Super Bowl with it, but at the same time, they had other little pieces, like you said and mentioned. They don't have that now, and they can't figure it out. And you said it's not because the enemy's gone, then it's Andy Reid. Well, you know what? Brett Beach better get an Andy Reid's ass to tell him, listen, we didn't want to sign Tyreek. You said you had it. You said we didn't spend all that money. Well, you know what? Look what happened. You can't even score three fucking touchdowns in a game offensively. I, I think they didn't even get away with it last year. It was that you had Juju, who was a good veteran receiver, who they gave targets to. Andy Reid trusts veteran receivers and will give them lots of targets. One of the things with Rasheed Rice is that he's a rookie and you haven't seen Andy Reid's given, he's given him more, but he's not fully embrace him like he did a juju then you had mvs who's played worse than he did last year mvs had almost 700 receiving yards last year in the regular season he was a valuable threat he's not even he's not even on pace for half of that he's got 200 and what 60 receiving yards this year i think the biggest thing who's a veteran you got travis kelsey who's a veteran you got Kadarius tony who's a veteran you got mvs who's a veteran you got mccannon who's a veteran sky moore's been in the league noah gray's been in the league all these excuses I, that you're coming up with, I, they better get this shit. Well, if you let me finish, if you let me finish, it's you have Rasheed Rice behind Travis Kelsey is your second guy. The biggest thing over this bye week is figuring out who's going to be the third option, and then you're going to have Justin Watson, who I think is going to continue to get snaps on this team because he's been consistent when they've called his name. And to me, you either have to take a look at Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, or McCole Hardman. One of those three guys has to start getting more targets, and they have to start designing plays to get them open. And once they do that, the offense is going to take off. Because you can't keep giving Justin Watson and MVS five and six targets because that's not what they, they've not been efficient with those targets. So you have to start developing plays around those three guys because I believe they can be more effective because they're guys who are quick in space. And with Kadarius Tony, I really feel like they've gone away from him because he had a bad week one. I think it's time to go back to him because you saw him the one catch he had. He can catch the ball. He can run away from people. And when he runs, when he runs his routes, he gets away from people. He had one bad game. Yes, it was terrible. But he does the one thing that not many receivers do on this team, maybe other than Rasheed Rice, which is get open in space. Well, I hope you're right, Jess. But that's my number five disappointment of the week. My fourth was the Bucks defense. You got absolutely torched by C.J. Stroud. Just they could not put up any resistance versus a team that really doesn't have a ton of weapons. Tank Dell, who is a rookie out of Houston, uh, the University of Houston, he he's probably their best weapon, and he absolutely fried them. But that that was it was just a bad performance for the Bucks defense. And then my fifth was the Dolphins offense. You just you can't be talking as much as they do and have 14 points. And they were very lucky to have 14 points. It might have been 10 had Christian's not shoved an offensive lineman for no reason. Mm-hmm. So now we go uh, to our surprises. So my number one surprise, we've spoken on, touched on it earlier. Um, Joshua Dobbs played exceptionally well. Played exceptionally well as soon as he came into the game um, after um, the initial backup starting quarterback got hurt, um, and he played very well against the Falcons and Taylor Heineke. That's my number. That's my number one surprise of the, of the week. Is Joshua Dobbs playing very well and showing the world that he can do it? You give give him a chance. He can make a play, and it's a bigger stage for a team that was 500, which is now having, which now has a winning record because of him. Um, very happy for Joshua Dobbs and the success he had last week 
against uh, the Atlanta Falcons, and even though it's against my quarterback, Taylor Heineke. Who's your number one? So my number one was uh, Stroud in his elite performance. I know Stroud's been really good this year, and him being good is not surprising. It's the fact he took 450 yards and five touchdowns. He absolutely torched the Bucks' defense, and it was, it was genuinely one of the best quarterback games we've seen this entire season. Uh, and just to kind of get my second out of the way, I also had Dobbs in his comeback over the Falcons. I thought he was really impressive. And for him to do what he did with basically no practice time, it was one of the more impressive things you're going to see all season. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, it was special. And this may be, um, I don't know about a long-term quarterback if Kirk Cousins doesn't come back this year. Um, do you know anything about that? If if he's going to be the starting quarterback, if he could, if he could be, if they have a winning season, if he could be the winning, the starting quarterback for this team. Well, Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent next year, but the, with the way he was playing and what the Vikings did, they had a pretty strong draft in this last draft. I could see them bringing Kirk Cousins back because it, to me, it felt like the Vikings were starting to hit their stride. And if you look at their schedule, if they had, if they still had Kirk Cousins as their quarterback, we'd be talking about them as a surprise team in the NFC and maybe a surprise Super Bowl contender. So he's hurt. He's hurt. He's out. He's got the Achilles injury. I think this is a but, big. This is a big step but, but, because if Dobbs plays well, I don't think he'll be the Vikings starting quarterback. But it wouldn't shock me if someone gave him a one or two year deal as a starting quarterback and they brought him in if they're not really sure or confident in the options they have. This is going to be interesting. I would like to see where he goes, but I would say stay in Minnesota. If they're not going to sign Kirk Cousins back, even though he had a good year, I could see somebody else um, giving him the money that he he he, he deserves. Well, and, and there's also the possibility of the Vikings trade up for a quarterback. But you're going to want to keep a veteran like Dobbs if you don't want to play that guy immediately or you just want an insurance policy for him. Yes. Okay. Um, my number two is Joe Burrow, who is my second surprise of the week. He seems to have the number to the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Um, even though he doesn't play defense, but those are the organization and the two main stars of that organization, um, he's got their number. I don't, I don't think since they have played – Head-to-head, Burrow versus Allen. Josh Allen has beaten Joe Burrow. I don't think so. He's 2-0. He's 2-0 versus Josh Allen. Yeah. And he had, he went 31 for 44 for 348 yards and two touchdowns. Pretty phenomenal. Um, I mean, Josh Allen didn't do too bad either for 26 for 38, 258 yards and a touchdown, but he threw a pick. Joe Burrow just seems to dominate the Bills at every – given chance yeah and it's good to see it's good to see joe burrow come back and as you said earlier to just turn things around show people he he may be the same old joe oh same old joe burrow um because it's the same pattern that happens every year the one thing i'd be concerned about though is yes burrow looks healthy and he looks great it feels like they might be peaking a little bit too early or it's felt like in la in the last few years or just like going in 2021 2022 they started off slow they got going and then when they were in December and January, they started to peak. Feels like they're peaking right now. If you look at how they played against San Francisco and how they played against the Bills, I, that'd be the one concern I have. Chase is dealing with a little bit of a back injury right now. It just feels like the Bengals have a lot of tough games on their schedule. You hope that they're not peaking too soon because that'd be the one concern I have is that you're, you're having a lot of success right now, but what does it look like? And are you playing your best football headed into December and January? I don't think they're peaking. Not yet. I, I think they're they're creating a stride for themselves, but I do not think that they're peaking. I, I think it's an interesting conversation to have because I, I don't necessarily think they are either, but 
if you look at kind of if you look at the last few weeks and just the feel I have about them is can you keep playing like this for the second half of the season? Because you've been playing like this for the last month. Are you going to be able to do this for like 15 or 16 games in a row? And I just that that'd be the one concern I have about them. My my next surprise was uh the Rays' performance. They hate Josh McDaniel. They absolutely hate him. Everyone hated everyone hated him. They absolutely hated him because that was the best they've looked all year. And I know the Giants suck and they're playing the third string quarterback. But that was a team with a they were playing rookie quarterback themselves. And they look way more confident. I don't think it's gonna be one of those things where they just turn into some crazy great team because I don't think they have a ton of great pieces. But you could see how much coaching matters and how much they actually truly hated their coach. Well, hold on real quick. According to Micah Parsons, confidence can do a lot for a person. Well, I mean, I think in this game, you just you know how sometimes you dread going to work. I feel like that's the environment Josh McDaniels created with the Raiders, where they were happy to get him the hell out of there because they they look super excited to be playing football. And, it was X shows apparently I, when I he was there. Were, they were what three and five coming into this game. They look yes. like every week they dreaded going into work because they had to fucking deal with Josh McDaniels. <laughs> and this week, they look like they won the fucking lottery. And everyone won, won the lottery. And they were kumbaya, very happy because they got Josh McDaniels the fuck out of Las Vegas. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're exactly right. And they did. Um, that was, I'm going to go do my number three first. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look extremely strong in their loss against uh, a stronger team in the Houston Texans. Um, Baker Mayfield did good. He went 21 for 30, 265 yards, two touchdowns, <clears throat> where they needed to get the momentum going, and they sh- they should have won this game, and they did get it going with um, their the running backs, and that's Rashad White, who had 20 carries for 73 yards and two touchdowns. He did very good. Mike Evans is still a beast. Um, I expected more from Chris Godwin, but Mike Evans had four receptions for 87 yards. Chris Godwin only had two for 16. Um, they, they played well. The Bucks played well, and they should have won this game. It probably against any other team, they probably wouldn't have won the game. Um, yeah, but right now, the Bucks are three and five. The Houston you, Texans are four and four. Yeah, you saw Stroud make some really special plays and throws on that drive. I feel like the the one thing you hope with the with the Bucks is that Baker kind of went through a little bit of a a slump, and you hope he's starting to come out of it because if he does, they could get hot again and have a chance to win that division because that division is not great. Uh. Yeah, with 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 the Bucks, you just you just hope that you see Mayfield getting hot again. Oh, I hope so too, and I I think that they can they can still win several more games, um, and strongly because they he played a very strong game this game. Um, I see I know I seen the look when um Stroud made that that play and they got the touchdown and stuff like that for the go ahead touchdown and win the game. Well, there's still some seconds left, and Baker Mayfield and and the Bucks came out offensively to see um if I, they could throw a help Mary. What I did see in his arm is. He didn't have as much power as he used to have in his throwing arm. And that worries me when you need those throws to be made. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say that was my number three. My number four, I'm going to echo what you said about the the, the Raiders. The, the entire Las Vegas Raiders team and organization looked refreshed after getting rid of the Sith in Josh McDaniels. I'll leave it at that. So that's yeah. my number four. You know how much you have to hate someone to, to basically 
do every like do everything you can to not do anything. Like they they look like they just dreaded doing anything when they played the Lions last. They look like they didn't even want to be there. The Lions were actually trying to give them the game. And the Raiders are like, nah, you're fine. They got Josh McDaniels the hell out of there, and they immediately look like, okay, we're ready to play football. We want to actually well, – we want well, to do our job. We're ready to do our job. Last now. week we broke the news as it was happening live, as it yeah, happened I mean, live, right? So I heard that Antonio Pierce had a hand in getting rid of Josh McDaniels because of the entire culture or the lack of culture that they had. I think he even made a reference to the Patriot way is not this way. This is Al Davis and Rebellion way. Not fucking Bill Belichick and his bullshit way. So well, yeah, I respect well, that. And Antonio Pierce seems to be the right guy for that team because he is a former player. When I think of the Raiders, I don't really think of rules and like customs, basically. Like no. tradition. Or, I, I mean, tradition, but like you don't think of like rules and like, okay, this is how we're going to do things. You think more, okay, we're just going to kind of, we're going to kind of free ball this and be, yeah, rebellious. I think that's a good word for it. Um, and Josh McDaniels, nothing about that says rebellious. Isn't that kind of oxymoronish, though, that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels ooze that shit when yet Robert Kraft is the guy he was getting messed around with in, in massage parlors? Uh, well, let's not, we're not getting into that right now. But um, okay, uh, the, one the one thing I'd say, though, is just, it's surprising that Mark Davis would even – and maybe he had a consulting firm, and I think that's actually how they came up with McDaniel's. It, but it just—he never screamed Raiders to me. He never screamed Raiders, never, uh, ever. And it was—you could—you could tell it was going to be a disaster from the minute they hired him, and it was. From the second they he, hired him, he, it was a complete disaster. He screams Scott Pioli, well, the Patriot I mean, way. That's what—that's what he screams. It's not like the Raiders were great, but you got to think. Before they hired McDaniels, they had Rich Masaccio take over for John Gruden, and they made the playoffs, and they almost beat the Bengals in the playoff game. They had to throw into the end zone with Derek Carr, and they just it happened to be incomplete. But they were a playoff team. Well, yeah. and they, they the entire team like Masaccio, and and then he didn't get signed, which I never understood that. And then McDaniels tore the the team completely apart. They went out, got Devontae Adams, then they tore the team apart, and they got rid of Derek Carr. You could argue, I don't. I don't think they'd be some great team, but they, they might be a fringe playoff team with Jared Carr as their quarterback. Yep. And and you just blew that up because you let Josh McDaniels take over, and he did the Patriots thing of just fucking other other than other than uh, Bill Belichick in New England. When one of those guys goes to another place, they blow it the fuck up, and it it's never as good as you think it's going to be because they get rid of all your good players, they bring in some stooges, and they all suck usually. I mean, who could forget the fact that? The Colts hired Josh McDaniels, and then he said, "Fuck you." It, well, n not only that, they McDaniels was going to take that job, and then he backed out on them in the last second. And I could argue, there, I know it didn't, it didn't end great with the Colts, but Frank Reich, Frank Reich was a better hire than Josh McDaniels. I think he's a better coach yes. than Josh. And it's just it, it's surprising to see how much you, someone could be hated, and then you see how well the Raiders played. And you're like, oh man, they really hated that dude. They thought he was dumb. Well, they seem to be rallying with. Um, Mark Davis's new haircut and the, the the appointment of Antonio Pierce as interim head coach. They seem to like him. He seems to be a Raider at heart just by attitude. So I, re I really wish them the best, and I would like to see their fan base, you know, get some type of reward because I'm a Chiefs fan. I love great competition between both teams. People always think I'm a secret Raider, a Raider fan. I respect the Raiders. Um but I like to see good competition. I want to see the Chiefs beat people at their best. 
and not hear any excuses. And that's all I hear from the Raiders fans or the Chargers fans or the Broncos fans. Um, and I just want them all to do better. And I wish the Raiders fans nothing but the best as hopefully they can recoup some type of reward going forward on a consistent basis of their team winning games. Was that your number five or number four? So my four was Will Levis. I thought what Will Levis did was it wasn't great. He did, it's not like he played great, but I felt like he gave them a chance to win. And I feel like he has played well enough to justify them naming him as starter for the rest of the season. And I, I, I think, you know, obviously you want to beat the Steelers in that game. But I feel like he played well enough to justify them making him the starter for the rest of the season. And I think he has shown enough where I would be interested in seeing what he does in the second half of the year. Because if he ends up being mostly, mostly what he's shown, I think you can build around that. Maybe he's not a star quarterback, but I think he's shown me enough where I think you can build around him. And I, I've been, in, I thought he's been a little bit better than what I thought he would, or at least what I saw in college. And then for my last one, just to wrap up real quick, it was the Falcons defense. We saw them absolutely get torched by Dobbs at the end of the game. I feel like if you're the Falcons, you can't have that. With, with as much as they've kind of put into that defense, you can't have that collapse versus Dobbs, who's been with the Vikings for a couple of days. And I don't even think he had a practice with him. No, that, that, that's, that's 100% fair. Um, my number five is you said it earlier was, um, CJ Stroud and the Texas played their, their worst game of the week. I said last year, uh, last week against the Carolina Panthers. Well, this week they played probably their best game of the entire season in the thriller against Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield. Um, and I'm a huge fan of CJ Stroud. There's no doubt that he's going to be the rookie of the year in my opinion. Um, but I was surprised at how much they came back or, or, how, how fast they bounce back. Usually it takes a rookie one to three weeks to bounce back like in a game like that. But I've said since I've seen him play the first few weeks, he likes to play from behind. And he was consistently playing from behind to try to win the game. You're not going to be able to win like that. That's not a formula to go by every single time because he did that last week against Carolina and he lost. And I think it was a 13 to 12 game and they still lost. So hopefully they can put some kind some type of consistency out there um, for the Texans with CJ Stroud at the helm, but I do want to comment on um this that was my number five, but I do want to put like an asterisk on something, and that's Bijan Robinson. I don't understand why the Falcons got him if they're not going to use him. That's a, that's a, that's a disappointment on their part, but that's a surprise on my part. Why are you not utilizing this guy the way he should be used? And the guy's a beast. Where the fuck? Why, why not use a guy? as he should be used. I don't understand that. And this goes to what we were talking about earlier, Jess. Who's the one making the play calling? Is Arthur Smith truly that bad? Because you know I hate him. I don't give a fuck if he, if he shaved his mustache this week or not. This guy, there, the there's something wrong here. There's a disconnect between all the players and the head coach. That's just how I feel. I don't, I, I don't feel the connection between them. I don't see it. The whole point of drafting a running back in the first round is you're going to try to basically use four years of him and then let him walk unless he's like just some special running back you have to pay again. But the whole point is just drafting a running back and being able to get four years where you can just use, you can use him as much as possible. And I know they're probably trying to save him and they're not trying to give him too many carries, but this is the type of game. You give Bijan Robinson 20 or 25 touches because he's a special player, yet they just are refusing to give him or load him up with touches in close games like this. Like, this is why you have Bijan Robinson is, Late in games, you're going to try to milk the clock and milk the game away with Bijan Robinson, who, yes. who is a he is a bruising back, but he's also a special playmaking back, and they just they don't seem to want to do it, and it's very confusing. Well, I hope 
Arthur Smith gets fired. And I am not opposed to having Deion Sanders get the head coaching job or um, Eric Bieniemy. So that's so, my, my honorable mention for my asterisk, asterisk, asterisk for um, B. John Robinson on that part. So we're going to our five I told you so's. I will start off with my first one, which is the Cowboys coaching and Mike McCarthy. When I when I mean Cowboys coaching, I mean Mike McCarthy. Like I, I this is something I've been stressing the entire season. Mike McCarthy puts them at a disadvantage, and Jerry Jones hired him because he's gonna tell Jerry everything he wants to hear and not the things he doesn't want to hear. Jer- Jerry Jones hiring Mike McCarthy is the biggest reason why the Cowboys have lacked playoff success over the last couple of years. Mike McCarthy, as we saw with Aaron Rodgers, struggles in games that are tight. A lot of it a lot, a lot of Mike McCarthy's success is Aaron Rodgers going out there, slinging it, and being great. And that's not what Dak is. Dak is really good. That's not what he is. And what we see sometimes is that Dak does take the bad sack, and he does make a mistake every now and then, and Mike McCarthy's not able to scheme around some of Dak's deficiencies. And what we saw in the red zone a little bit against Philadelphia is him not giving Dak maybe a go-to play or a go-to player. like A little bit like we see with Andy Reid. What does Andy Reid do at times? He'll scheme Jerick McKinnon wide open. He'll scheme Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore wide open. I don't feel like McCarthy does that for Dak. And I feel like that in itself, and his just averageness as a coach, is one of the reasons why the Cowboys haven't been a true contender in his time there. But it's almost done purposely. It's almost done because Jerry Jones's ego is so huge, he wants nobody with a personality. And well, Oh, I was going to say, and Sean Payton's not even had the greatest year, but Jerry Jones's ego won't let him hire someone like Sean Payton, who's going to want control because Jerry wants to keep the control. Well, if you're going to hire Sean Payton, he's going to want control over what you do. So what do you do? You settle with a guy like Mike McCarthy. Well, there's somebody else out there. There's another yes man out there, and this guy is not it for him. If he chooses to keep Mike McCarthy on his fucking payroll after this year and they don't even get to an NFC championship game, it's because of the ego of Jerry Jones. And if it just if the offense consistent, consistently plays the way they did where they play just good enough, but they can't get you there because Dak and Mike McCarthy just don't mesh well, this is going to be a massive problem. And Jerry Jones is going to be the biggest issue going going forward next year because his time is running out literally. My number one, uh, I told you so, is the Falcons and Arthur Smith should have started Taylor Heineke weeks ago. Jess said they were supposed to start him in week four, or he believed they should have started him in week four. That was his prediction. I think I said week five. No, you said week four. Okay, um, week four. Yeah. Give, give Ritter a few games, and then you got to move to Heineke. This is, one of the reasons I say that is because this is a big year for Arthur Smith. If they don't make the playoffs a year in which the division is down and you have as much talent as they do you got to go to your coach because clearly something's not working and in this case it, i just feel like a lot of the problems with the falcons this year have been arthur smith absolutely i mean and and that's what i can't put my wrap my fucking head around is how does he have a job still honestly i, I don't understand well i mean the, the falcons had the ball on the one yard line yes against the vikings and he still didn't fucking put Bijan robinson in the fucking game to fucking run the ball and it just it's they've gotten better since he's been there, but I think some of that has been their GM getting more talent. I feel like Arthur Smith, it, it's it's having Kyle Pitts and not consistently using him. Kyle Pitts, if he was on 10, 12, 14 other teams, he would be their best receiving option. And with the Falcons, he doesn't get consistent targets. Let me just read this to you real quick. Just uh, 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 
an interesting sequence of events that happened of how the disconnect between the team, the players, and the head coaches. The Falcons had the had first and goal from the one yard line against the Vikings to score. They went on false start, passed to Jonu Smith, rushed by Jonu Smith, rushed by Tyler Al- Algier, and nothing. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Arthur Smith has to go. He's just horrendous. And it makes me wonder. I think they said he came for money this week. The breaking news story was, or was it last week, that his family owns a, a massive fucking company? I, I don't know. This guy, he's just not it for this team. My number, number two, my, my number two is Herbert's always going to beat the bad teams. They played the Jets. They beat the Jets. And it's not like the Jets were terrible, but they don't have a quarterback, and they're very limited on offense. And what happened? Herbert beats them, and you started to see some Herbert hype, despite the fact he, I don't think he even played that well. But you started to kind of hear, oh, man, Herbert, maybe the Chargers are going to be a playoff team. Look at their schedule. They have some wonderful games. Don't fall for it. Herbert's going to beat the bad teams. But when he plays real teams, he's typically not going to be able to beat them, and he's going to he's going to leave you wanting more. And even in this game versus the Jets, he didn't really do a ton. It's just the fact they played Zach Wilson, who might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Well, the guy who says when they're self-inflicted wounds, the Chargers didn't beat him. The Jets beat them, beat themselves. Vince didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed screwed Brett. That's exactly well, well, what it sounded like in his fucking pros, in his post game pre- press conference. I, I understand. I just, uh, I don't, this game, this Chargers and Jets game was just so, it, it was kind of annoying to watch, just not just because the quality of play was bad, but it's people simultaneously hyping up the Chargers for beating a team that had no offense, and the Jets refusing to not move off of Zach, or Zach Wilson. It's two teams that just do dumb shit repeatedly, and we talk about twenty four seven, despite the fact those teams are not anywhere close to contending teams. Yeah, and, and it makes it makes it not enjoyable. And I feel like that's the main, like that's the main thing is this game was played, and what we learned about these two teams is they're like the Chargers might they might make the playoffs because they got a they have some games that are winnable. The Jets maybe they're able to work around Zach Wilson being terrible, but like neither of these teams actually matter when it comes to the real playoff games and championship stakes i don't think either of those teams matter at all well interesting enough zach wilson put a cologne out after the game and it was called zach wilson cologne three and out that's a great fucking joke anyways Mm. um my number two i told you so is i know you've said it jesse and i've said it many times but mike tomlin is one of the best coaches in the league and you and you you just recently pointed out that no matter what he will find a way to win and he did that against the tennessee titans and the rookie quarterback um will levis and he did it again it's not, even like, it's not even like he has the best quarterback in the game or even a top 15, top 16 quarterback in, uh, in Pickett. But his defense is always good. Mike Tomlin's energy brings that machismo that so many teams lack in this league anymore, and they just so happen to win games. And they just did it again against Tennessee last Thursday. Um, Will Levis didn't play great. Um, he threw a pick to end the game against the the Steelers defense in the end, in the end zone. Mike Tomlin is a hell of a coach. I am interested to see how far this quarterback and this defense can take this team into the playoffs if they do make the playoffs. And, and that that's the thing is this was also my number three was that I know Steelers fans are frustrated by the fact they haven't really had a championship caliber team in what 
probably five, six years. But Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Like a lot, some of that goes on your GM and your scouting departments not being able to find a quarterback or some, you know, better offensive lineman. Or right. you, uh, Najee Harris, who is good, but maybe not a great running back. Tomlin is going to keep you a winning team. I feel like if any other coach was coaching the Steelers, like if you put, if you replace them with an average coach, I feel like they're probably a four or five win team, but because they have Mike Tomlin, they might make the playoffs and they might surprise a team like Jacksonville or Cleveland and beat them. Like I, Mike Tomlin always wins those type of games. Like, yeah, maybe you he get does. your ass kicked by the Chiefs or the, or the Bengals. I mean, they've beaten the Bengals before, but maybe you get your ass kicked by the Chiefs. Fine. But you know, having Mike Tomlin, your floor is a, a wild card contender and you might even sneak a win in there. I'm interested. I'm I'm honestly interested to see how far they're gonna go, because he just oozes. Like I said, like Machismo, he oozes the man. He has yet to have a losing record in the NFL, and I'm I'm just I don't think anybody, even in Pittsburgh, they can tell you how far they're gonna go in the playoffs if they make the playoffs. Well, I think they can surprise a team like Jacksonville, even a team like Baltimore. Like if they get one of the if they get one of their division rivals. I think they could surprise one of those teams. A team like Miami, I 100% think they could surprise them. Now, do I think do I think they could beat the Chiefs or Bengals if they're playing at full capacity? No, but there might be four teams from the uh, from the AFC North in in the in the or in the AFC playoffs. Like those are three teams the Steelers are going to play all the time. It's not. It wouldn't be surprising if they beat one of them and steal a playoff win. Mike Tomlin's a good enough coach to do that. Just because. Yes. Just because you're not a championship contender does not mean your coach isn't good or that you had an unsuccessful season. And when given the talent Steelers have, the fact they're even in that position is a testament to how great Tomlin is. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. I, I I literally thought about you when they played Thursday, and I'm like, because I, I had the same belief, and I've always had the same I've always liked them. But I'm like, damn, Jess is right. The, the, the Titans had the chance to, to close this game out for a, for a game-winning touchdown. And a walk off, and nope, you got Mike Tomlin just giving those death rays, and boom, it happened again. I uh, have next. Oh, is it your turn or my turn? Oh, you go. It's your, it, it's your turn. Well, no, I just went. Oh, well, yeah, okay, I can go. Um, it's that Josh McDaniels is an idiot. I think, I think I've been saying this mostly all season. Josh McDaniels is not a good coach. The fact he keeps getting jobs because he was Tom Brady's offense coordinator is just mind-boggling. Look where look what he's done when he's not had Tom Brady as his quarterback or he's been on other teams. It's been a lot of it's been a lot of bad football and people not liking him and people firing him because he's seemingly an asshole. Like nobody likes Josh McDaniels. People seem to think he's kind of an idiot. This was something we told you all season. Nobody likes Josh McDaniels. That's basically the best way I can put it. That's basically the best way you can put it. Nobody nobody does. Um is it on me? Yeah. Okay, so we did that. We did Heineke. So I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. Um, I told you so. And the game between the Saints and the Chicago Bears was actually very entertaining. Uh, you told me this was going to be an entertaining game. I didn't believe you, but I also still believe in Derek Carr as being a good quarterback. And you and I praised Taysom Hill a few weeks ago for just what they use him for. He's a utility player, and he can be do anything he wants. You know, that they that they anything that they put him in the game to do, he can do. Yeah. Um, Taysom Hill is the only player in the Super Bowl era 
with 10 rushing touchdowns, 10 passing touchdowns, and 10 receiving touchdowns. Pretty fucking amazing for a guy who's, you know, they just happen to get, right? Um, the, the game against the Chicago Bears was entertaining. Though it lacked some high spots in the game, it was still competitive with Derek Carr and backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears, Tyson Bajan, our Badgett. Um, you were kind of high on him a couple weeks ago. I know he lost last week, but a couple weeks ago, you actually you were defending him being, you know, he did really good. Um, I didn't expect much from him, but this is almost like a you're told me so to my face where you were right about this game just as a whole being entertaining. And it was um, the the Saints won. The Saints won this game 24-17. The Bears had a chance to win um, or at least hide. I'm sorry. And they didn't. But it was a very entertaining game. And, and I gave you that one, Jess. So, yeah, basically two things from this game is that Tyson, Tyson Bajan, while he had some like he had some turnovers in this game, I feel like some of that is just we've seen the Bears with Justin Fields and we've seen them with Tyson Bajan. Like their their play calling and their coaching is not great. I Bajan, though, he, he can kind of I don't think he's like a going to be some great NFL quarterback. But to me, he looks like he could be a competent backup. I just mm-hmm. think a lot of the problems the Bears have is that their coaching is not very good. And he's a young player that's going to make mistakes. Uh, then uh, I talked about this earlier uh, this season. Dennis Allen and that Saints coaching staff has been able to figure out how to use Taysom Hill way better than Sean Payton. Sean Payton loved Taysom Hill. And yes, he did. And he kept him around. He did not know how to use him at all. It felt like whenever they would use him, it felt shoehorned, and it just never felt right. The Saints right now are using Taysom Hill the way he's supposed to. Sometimes he'll come in and throw a couple passes. He's, he'll be used as a running back. They'll use him as a tight end. They'll flex him out to receiver. They have a way better feel for how to use Taysom Hill than Sean Payton ever did. Yeah, and I I think the the, the team has a tremendous amount of respect for Dennis Allen. I, I like I see it. Um, I think they're waiting for Derek Carr to be more consistent to show him that same respect. More than that, I think he's a very good coach, and I think the rest of the team likes him. Is yeah, that, no, is I, that fair to say? I feel like the Saints are starting to hit a little bit of a stride. Um. I'm not ready to call them like a contender. I want to, I want to see the Saints beat teams that aren't the Bears because I feel like the Bears are not, not a particularly well coached team or good team. But you have you have the Saints are going to play the Lions later in the year, and that's that's really the toughest game. They that what they play the left on the schedule. They have the Vikings, Falcons, Lions, Panthers, Giants, Rams, Bucks, and Falcons again. The Saints may not lose the rest of the season, or if they do, it might just be one loss to the Lions. They they might have a surprising record, but to me, that Lions game is pretty important because if they could beat a team like the Lions, we could see the Saints maybe be a little bit better than I thought they would headed into the playoffs, a little bit more of a contender. But well, right I have to say, the, the, you're arguing against the Dolphins that they are overhyped and that their their only success is against losing teams. Okay, it's the but, same thing with this team. They've only beaten teams under 500. Um, they have not beaten. How, how many teams do you think are better than the Dolphins in the AFC, though? That'd be my thing. Is the AFC is just deeper? I think you have the Chiefs, you have the Bengals, you have the Ravens, maybe the Browns. I mean, uh, we'll see. We'll see with the Bills if they can pass them. But like, I think the AFC is just way deeper than the NFC. The NFC, you have what? The Eagles, you have the 49ers who are struggling right now, the Cowboys who nobody trusts, and the Lions who are a young team and they're trying to learn how to win. And then after that's, that, it, that's it's fair. a lot of nothing. That's fair. Yeah, it, it's a lot of nothing. So if the Saints can beat a team like the Lions, they, I think they can beat a team like the 49ers. I, okay, I will I, say this. I don't know point, about you. 
you you said you you excuse me I, you said that you you think that this team could win several several games going down the season, right? Yeah. Well, I think the difference between this team and so many teams in the NFC is if is if Dennis Allen really is the man for this job, and it seems that the team rallies around him. This is something that most teams in the NFC that I've seen who we have criticized heavily don't have, and that's leadership. The Washington Commanders, the the New York Giants, and the Dallas Cowboys. You got the the Atlanta Falcons. You got a lot of teams in the NFC whose head coaches just are shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, the the one thing I'll say is, you know, you know, I'm not a big Derek Carr guy. You know that, right? I know that. Uh, but is Derek Carr about the same as Jared Goff? Absolutely not. Derek Jared Goff is so much better. How much better do you think he is, though? I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think so. It's, give, give me give me a scale to measure that, so I can give you so a, my fairest assessment. I think Derek Carr is what quarterback. 13 or 14 i think golf's like quarterback nine i, I think he's better him. i think he's better but I, it's not like it's not like comparing jared golf to zach or zach wilson or even a even a guy like even even a guy like matt jones or something like that i i i think he's better but he's not that much better you think he's uh, you think he's as good or better than brock purdy i think jared golf is is better than brock purdy i think jared no, no, golf I, is I better think than... i think Derek carr is better or equal to brock purdy i think they're about the same quarterback so if we think the 49ers are the second or third best team in the A or in the NFC, excuse me, the second or third best team in the NFC. And the saints have a quarterback who is around the same level. Like I think in the individual game, the saints could probably beat the 49ers. They have a skill level talent roster wise that could beat a team like lions. Like I, I know I'm not. And once again, I'm not a big Derek Carr guy, but if you look at kind of how the Saints schedule lines up and what their record could be, they might have a shot to make an NFC championship game. They they legitimately might. I I'm starting to consider they might have a chance at this thing. Interesting. I never expected that to come out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay, respectable. So and, that was- and my well, I told you so. Is the Bills are gonna have to remake their team? Like you, you look at them right now. What they're five and four. They're they're gonna have to remake their team. They're gonna have to trade some guys, and it's gonna be I think a rebuilding year next year for the Bills. They don't seem to be the contender they were in the last three years. Their best chance to to get to the Super Bowl and win it was probably 2021. 2020, you were in the AFC Championship game, you lose to the Chiefs. 2021, you lose the divisional round to the Chiefs. Last year, you lose to the Bengals. It feels like that team is about to kind of blow it up and rebuild. And I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing. You get your roster right, you get more talent into that team. Yeah, maybe you miss the playoffs a year or you're oh, the six or seven seed. But you get the roster right, you get your cap space right, and then you load up and try to... You try to win a Super Bowl as Josh now gets into his early 30s. Um, that's that's something you and I, especially you, have pointed out all season. And they need to do something, and they got to do it quick. Because I still don't think Josh Allen is going to stay there if you're going to keep rebuilding. Oh, I, I think you keep him. I just think I just think you have to be willing to you have to be willing to maybe miss the playoffs or be a wild card and not really contend for the division for a year. You get your roster right, you get your cap space right, and then you load up and try to. You'll probably have like a two-year window with Josh Allen before I think his body starts to break down. Because watching Josh Allen, I do think his body will start to break down as he gets closer to his mid-30s. Okay. Um, who else I got? Oh, yeah. My number four, I told you so, is I hate games played on foreign soil because I have to be up earlier to watch these fucking games. And it just drains the rest of my energy from 8.30 in the morning when that football starts to 7 o'clock at night, Central Standard Time. It's exhausting. 
I don't even want to watch football for Sunday night football because it's just the day's just so long. Um, and they spread the games out on purpose, and I don't like that. Just give me all the games at once. I can watch NFL Red Zone, watch all the games, and I'd be okay with that. I do not like these foreign games. If just give me one or two a, a year, there's been like six this year. It it's a pain in the ass. I really started to feel it in those three o'clock games where you're just like, oh man, I've been watching a lot of football right now. Seriously, you start. You start to feel, it really wasn't till the end of the Cowboys Eagles game where I was like, okay, let's lock in. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, at least I'm not alone on that. Yeah, I just I feel like they had a pretty good window of games. It's just it it's very early, and if I would say if it's your team playing in it, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of football where you're you're really locked in on the eight thirty game. Then by the time you get to around two thirty, the witching hour of the early games, you start to kind of feel it. And then as you get to the first half of those three o'clock games, it's like man, been watching football for a long time now. It's it's fucking bad. And I think one of them, they said they're going to do it at 7.30 next year. I heard a rumor. And I was like, fuck this. When I was a kid, we used to all be mad because the games in California, for the two, when the Chiefs would play, would be at 9.45 in the fucking morning. I hated I that. Be, I believe that would be either a game in Spain or Japan. I forget which one. But, yeah, it might be a 6 or 7.30 kickoff. Not going to be happy about it. Can't wait oh. to see the Can't wait to see the Tennessee Titans in the in – the, uh, Tennessee, we're gonna have Tennessee Titans and the Washington Commanders somewhere in Japan or Spain. Fuck that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see. I'll watch the highlights. Um, you, who's your number five? Oh, I, I I've already gone through my five. Okay, well, my number five is the Chiefs' defense is exceptional and reminds me of the 1990s Chiefs' defense when it was coached by um, Gunther Cunningham, not Bob Sutton, not Spagnolo. It's Gunther Cunningham, where it was just playing straight in your face, dominant. Um, even the secondary has been really, really good. Something the Chiefs didn't have under Bob Sutton, which is recently new with Spagnolo. It's Gunther Cunningham's defense, 100%. You got, how do I, let me find this real quick. You got Trent McDuffie, he leads all defensive backs with four forced fumbles this season. Um, out of all defensive players, Trent McDuffie is tied with Miles Garrett in, in forced fumbles with four. Then you got trying to see. Sorry, Jess. Oh, just to get to Legereus Sneed in coverage against the Dolphins just this week. Thirty-seven coverage, cover, thirty-seven coverage, coverage snaps was targeted four times. Allowed one reception for three yards. Allowed two yards after catch. Players like this who are shutting down people are fucking special. And William Gay think- Jr. in coverage against the Dolphins. Thirteen coverage snaps targeted once. Allowed zero yards. Phenomenal. And I think what you're seeing is that. A little bit like Gunther, where I think Gunther had one mode, which was just aggressive, 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 aggressive. Spags will mix it, he'll mix it up a little bit more, and you'll see him sometimes. He'll just go, he'll blitz six, seven guys, and sometimes he'll show a blitz, and then he'll just back guys up. He'll drop George Karloftis in coverage every now and then, and and he'll send a corner blitz, and he'll have four rushers that way. And I felt like that really confused Tua, and I think that's kind of been the overall theme of the defense is they have a lot of flexibility because they've drafted. They've signed guys, and they've really developed a defense that is flexible and young. It's a young, flexible defense with a defensive coordinator who is kind of molded this defense in his image. And, and if you go back, and if you go to Brett Veach, that's the biggest thing Brett Veach has done is they traded Tyreek Hill, they got picks, and they used it to completely revamp the defense. And they just didn't revamp it. They have one of the best, if not the best, defense in the NFL right now. I absolutely want it to be tied for me between the uh, the Chiefs and the Browns, who won 
27-0 versus the Cardinals. It's not saying much because they're the Cardinals, but it's still hard to give any NFL team a goose egg, and they did it. And Deshaun, well, and Watson, like, and Deshaun Watson, in fairness, played his best game of the season, uh, the best game of the season I've seen well, um, and, thus far. You look at the Browns team, they've largely played with backup quarterbacks this season, and Deshaun Watson, who's been uneven. So th- what they've done is really impressive because it's not like, it's not, uh, you look at a team like the Ravens, who I think lead the league in in uh, lowest amount of points given up. They have a they have a quarterback who has been healthy and been good. The Browns have had bad quarterback play in backups basically all year, and they've been a really good defense that's won them games this season. Yes, and Miles Garrett has got to be the defensive the defensive player of the year so far this year. Yeah, yeah, I'd say, I would think so. Uh, what's next on the list, Jess? So we have we have best AFC and best NFC. I will start off with the best AFC. I will go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs until they give me a reason not to go with them. I know the Ravens have been good. They beat the Jaguars, which is why I'm not going to have them as my best AFC. But until I see a reason not to have the Chiefs as the best team in the AFC, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. Yeah, just because I don't want to give it to the Ravens, and I don't like the Ravens, and I think there's something brewing that just doesn't smell right with with um, Baltimore. Can, can I tell you what it is? It's, remember 2019, they were dominating everyone. Their team was great. Everyone loved them. What what did they do? They were a front-running team where they got leads. Their defense got after people. They were running the ball. And every, everyone's excited about the Ravens. And what happened? They got into the playoffs. They got down to the Tennessee Titans. And their offense did not have the ability to come back. I think we're seeing a similar thing this year. Now, they have better weapons. Like, you have Mark Andrews, who was on the same team. You have Zay Flowers. I don't think I trust Odell Beckham Jr. in a playoff game, though. He's an older no. player who's issues. Don't think I really trust him. So you you have a team that's a front-running team right now, but I think they have the same issue they had in 2019, which is I don't think they can play from behind. And you saw it a little bit against the Colts, and you saw it a little bit against the Steelers when they're in a tight game or they're down. They're going to have issues throwing the ball. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I I still I think they're still overhyped. I, congratulations to them to their fans for um, getting able to witness this and have a, have feel good moments because their team won. But other than that. I'm still not sold on Lamar Jackson. I did. I do notice that he is throwing the ball a lot more and a lot more effectively, but I don't. I don't think that this team is deserving of my number one spot, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs who belong belong in the number one spot, even with their lack of offense and their horrible um, offensive coaching. So, and you just, my, did you say your best team in the NFC? My best team in the NFC right now is the Eagles, and I, the Eagles, the Eagles are an interesting team because I think they're I think they're a really good team. But I think a lot of what they benefit off of is the NFC is not a good conference at all. It's very weak. The Eagles are by I think they are the best team in it. But I just the more I watch the Eagles, if you can pass protect against their defensive line, I think you can carve up their secondary. And it just to me, this feels like a all or nothing season for the Eagles, where they either get back to the Super Bowl or they lose a playoff game they shouldn't, and everyone gets confused. But it's because their secondary is not that good. Somebody was able to protect their quarterback, and they carved that secondary up. And so I have the best team in the NFC as the Eagles for this week, but that's only because the Detroit Lions didn't play this week. So I, everything you said, I've, I've mentioned week after week. Their defense, I still think, is not that great. I think, I mean, well, hell, they gave up 163 yards to the fucking Cowboys in one quarter. Um not that they score, but it doesn't matter. You're still giving up offense, so it makes you even look worse in the in in the rankings. Um, but their offense has been my biggest issue with them. They too lack offensive power. 
they too like an offensive scheme that besides a tush push or an outside edge rush or something like that, that you're going to be able to do. So you can't do it every single play. I don't think that these, that these guys are that, that great. I think that the lions are a better established team, even if they took a bigger loss. Um, I, I just don't think that they're, they're the best team um, per se, but because the Lions didn't play this week, I'm going to go with the Eagles. So we're going to go with the worst AFC. My worst team in the AFC is the Patriots. They, oh boy, that team's a mess. That that team, they had that brief glimmer against the Bills where maybe they could turn around and then no, they go right back to being terrible. Well, my worst team in the AFC is also um, the Patriots. And I will say that I was, I'm just trying to find the article right now, that there was rumors or conversations regarding Robert Kraft's son saying that Bill Belichick is basically on the hot seat. I don't know if you saw that. I did not see that, but I mean, with Belichick, I just don't think they're going to fire Belichick. I think he's going to be locked in. I It, it would surprise me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this to you real quick. He said, uh, Robert Kraft's son and team president, Jonathan Kraft, seems to say on video that the Patriots aren't good enough. We're not good enough. This seems to put Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick's head coaching job in danger if the team loses to the Colts this week. Look for the Colts, the, the the Patriots, to find a replacement head coach within the next two weeks if Bill Belichick loses to the Colts. Well, what does that tell you? I don't. I I ultimately don't think they get rid of Bill Belichick just because I think I think it'd be so hard to replace Bill Belichick that you're basically you're basically going to hire a veteran coach before. You, I don't know what young coach is taking that job unless you're going to overpay him, just because it's going to be so hard to replace Bill Belichick. If I were to guess, they will give Belichick one more chance to take another quarterback. He took Mac Jones. It didn't work. You take another quarterback and you just try, you try to remake the offense one more time before you move on from Belichick. I don't see that happening. And this is going to be interesting. Oh, I can't wait for the, the games this week to see what the hell the outcome is going to be on the front front office aspect across the league. This is going to be really, really interesting. And then we finish up with our worst NFC. For me, it is the Panthers. They, that team just, they, they had the win against the Texans. It was an ugly win, but they, they won. And then they just are uncompetitive against the Colts this week. For me, my worst NFC team, the Carolina Panthers. My worst team is the New York Giants. Um, I think everybody's still being too harsh on Bryce Young and the Panthers. He's a rookie. We've seen this before with Peyton Manning, um, quarterbacks like that. So let's just give it a break. You don't know what we, uh, year two holds. Excuse me. And the Giants, who's supposed to have a offensive genius in Brian Dayball, um, can't find any offense at all. Um, and their quarterback, what? Tommy. What? Huh? I was going to say, why did they not sign Carson Wentz? Their quarterback is, what, Tommy DeVito now? Well, Carson Wentz sucks. You're just going to well, go down the, down the damn rabbit hole of just shitty quarterbacks. So Tommy DeVito, Tommy DeVito is not a good quarterback in this league, and he's not a good backup. Um, he, he, he seems like a good runner, but he's not a good quarterback. That's my worst team in the, in the NFC. And now we're moving on to the picks for Week 10. So we're going to start out with the Carolina Panthers going to Chicago to play the Bears. Chicago is a four-point favorite. I'm going to go Bryce Young. For me, it kind of depends on who plays for the Bears. If Fields plays, I think they win pretty easily. The Panthers have a good pass rush, and if it's Bajan, he can move a little bit, but I feel like they can get a little bit of pass rush on him. I'm going to go assume it's Fields playing, and I will take the Bears. I'm going to go with the Panthers. 
Um, if Fields does not play, I'm gonna go with the Panthers because he's more experienced than ba- than Bajant, Bajant, whatever the fuck his name is. And I think they'll have more confidence in a quarterback like that who's gelling with um Adam Thielen, um Adam Thielen, and this is his his ability to catch the ball, um the way he has been all year, and, and go with the Panthers. Next, we have a second Frankfurt game. Uh, the Colts and Patriots will play in Frankfurt, Germany. Indianapolis is a two-point favorite. I believe the Colts would probably win this game. I say the Colts win by dominant fashion. And the, the only way I think this game is close is if Minshew has a couple turnovers. But other than that, like uh, the Patriots have not really shown me much fight. I think this is a game the Colts should win. Gardner Minshew is the best, the best quarterback, uh, the best backup quarterback in the league. Um, and he's a better quarterback than Mac Jones. Would you not agree? I think he's better. I don't. Back quarterback is tough. I'd have to make the list. He's one of the better back quarterbacks in the league, and he's better than Mac Jones. Yeah, I would easily say he's better than Mac Jones. Okay. Our next game: the Houston Texans go to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Bengals, Bengals are a seven-point favorite. I will go with the Bengals in this game. Yeah, I think you have to. This is a game to watch, though. Where can Stroud string together two great performances back to back? He is a rookie quarterback. That can be tough. Um, I will go with the Bengals though because I think they are the they are the better team. But th- this is one of those games you watch. If the Texans could keep it close early, could it get interesting? Well, if the Texans can keep it close and they're losing and their defense can hold up, well, if that's going to get open the door for C.J. Stroud and that offense to play that the way they like to, which is from behind. So that should be very very interesting if the game becomes close, and especially towards the end of it. Um, and C.J. Stroud has that ball in his hand. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Bengals because the Bengals have more offensive weapons. Their quarterback's more consistent. CJ Stroud mm-hmm. and the Texans still have um, issues with being consistent, um, and they're not gonna win every game coming from behind. So I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. Our next game is the Green Bay Packers going to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. The Steelers are a three-point favorite. I will go with the Steelers in this game. It just feels like yeah. Tom's gonna be able to confuse Love enough to force them into a couple turnovers, and the Steelers were winning an ugly game. I agree with that. I think it's going to be a close game, but I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Next, we have the Tennessee Titans going to Tampa to play the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. This is, this, is a, this is a tough one because I can see both. I can see reasons for both of these teams winning. I will go with the Bucs because I think, once again, I think they have more offensive firepower than, what, than the Titans do, but I... The thing that does concern me is the Buccaneers' defense. They've been pretty bad at times this year. I will go the Bucs. I think this could be a high-scoring game. I would agree. This is going to be a high-scoring game. Um, and it does – I am wondering if the weather conditions got to Levis last week. This is going into another uh, warm, warmer climate in Tampa Bay. I expect this game to be high 30s or mid-30s, almost the same same where it was this week against uh, the Texans. But I think that the Bucs are going to win this game. I could see DeAndre Hopkins having three or four touchdowns again, um, but I think Chris Godwin and Mike Evans pull it out for two, probably their their best game of the season individually for each one this, this game. The next game we have, Cleveland Browns go to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Baltimore is a six-point favorite. This, this is a really interesting game to me because this is a game, if you're the Ravens and you're going to win the AFC North, you have to beat the Browns here. Um, I will go with the Ravens. But this this is a game that it feels like it's going to be close late. I see. Um, this is this game is going to be extremely high in turnovers. Lamar Jackson fumbles almost every game. Miles Garrett 
makes people fumble almost every game. Um, Deshaun Watson has yet to play the Ravens, and this should be interesting as he versus Lamar Jackson go head-to-head. So I expect a, a high turnover game. I could see Lamar throwing a pick or two and fumbling at least three times. Um, I could see the same thing with Deshaun. And it's going to be a slow game. I don't see it being a high-scoring game. I see it being mid, uh, a high teens, um, low 20s. But I'm going to go with the Browns. Our next game, the San Francisco 49ers go to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. San Francisco is a three-point favorite. This feels like a make-or-break game for the what? 49ers. They're a three-point favorite? They're a three-point favorite. This feels like a make-or-break game for them. They've lost three in a row. They just had a bye week. The, the Jaguars had a hold on. Excuse me, hold on. You said the 49ers are a three-point favorite? They're a three-point favorite. What? Mm-hmm. But how just is that possible? I have just the messenger here. Um, I'm going to go with the Jaguars in this game. I think they beat the 49ers. If the 49ers don't win this game, they've got real problems. Because at that point, you've lost four in a row. And we're really talking about you're letting the CLC kind of stick around in the divisional race. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Jaguars in this game. But well, th- this is an important game for the 49ers. You can't lose a game like this. Especially if you want to be one of the top seeds, you can't lose a game like this. This is, this is going to be an ugly game before that reason. Um, and I see the 49ers losing because they're going against the number one defense and takeaways in the NFL in Jacksonville. So I'm going to go ahead and get the nod to Jacksonville. I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to dot them up the entire game. I think it's going to be close. I think both defenses are going to be played very, very well. I'm excited to see what Chase Young does in this in the 49ers defense. Um, but I don't think he's going to be that much of a factor. Changed my mind, but I don't think he's going to be that much of a factor. Um, at least at, not as dominant as Bosa is. If so, no more than he is. So I'm going to go with the Jags. Our next game, the New Orleans Saints go to Minnesota to play the Vikings. New Orleans is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think in this game, this is a game the, this is a game the, the Saints should win. They, you're going on the road uh, against a team with a backup quarterback who hasn't been there that long. I, I think I'm going to go with the Vikings, though. I just, I like the way the Vikings are playing right now. I think they can win this game, and I, I'm going to pick them to win it. Let me see their records. One second. They're so both five and, five and four. But they're both five and four. Okay. Both- this is going to be tough. I don't know. Um, I want to go with the Vikings, but I mean, because you, you know, Derek Carr's still going to go into doing Derek Carr's shit. Which he'll reason- throw two picks, but fucking five touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? It's one of the reasons why I think this game is going to be close. Is you can, you can see the Derek Carr having two picks and just letting the Vikings hang around. And I think it'll come down to a late field goal by either side. In this case, I think the Vikings make the field goal and win. Okay. Our next game, Atlanta Falcons go to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Atlanta's only a one-point favorite. Oh, because Kyler Murray's back. And that, that, will, that, that would lead... That would lead me to believe that Vegas really thinks Kyle Murray is going to carve up that defense because they because they saw Jaron Hall before he got hurt and then Josh Dobbs moved the ball in that defense. They think Kyle Murray is going to come in and could light up that Falcons defense. I, I'm going to go with the Cardinals in this game. I I don't like the mojo around the Falcons right now. I don't like it either, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Taylor Heineke. And, well, if Taylor Heineke starts, I'm going with the Falcons. If Arthur Smith says Desmond Ritter's starting this week, I go. I got to go with the Cardinals. Our next game, Detroit. Uh, the Detroit Lions go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Lions. Detroit, yeah, the Detroit Lions go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. 
Detroit is a two and a half point favorite. Only two and a half. Mm-hmm. You're getting more Chargers hype. I'm telling you, people. They beat the they beat the Jets with no offense on Monday night, and people are buying back in. I'm going Detroit. Uh, this is a big game for Detroit. If you're if you're going to be one of the top teams in the NFC, you you have to beat a middle tier team like the Chargers. They're a middle tier AFC team, a fringe playoff team. You're the Lions. You're going to be one of the better teams in the NFC. You have to win this game. I will go with the Lions as well. You have the New York Giants going to Dallas to play the Cowboys. Cowboys are a 16 and a half point favorite. 16 and a half? Yeah, that's a college football line right there. I want to bet that all. I want to bet those odds. I will go with I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I just I don't trust the Giants quarterback position. No. Nope. At all. I it's just it's a complete mess right now. Put me down for the Cowboys. I'm with you on the Cowboys. Next we have the Washington Commanders going to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Seahawks are six and a half point favorite. This is a tricky game because what quarterback are we going to get? And that's on both sides. Are we going to get the steady, focused Geno Smith, or are we going to get the fucking erratic um, wannabe gunslinger and Sam Howell? You know what I'm saying? This feels like a high-scoring game. This this feels like neither team is going to stop either team. It's going to come down to who has a bad fumble, who has a bad interception, which special teams makes a mistake. It, this feels like it's going to be a one-possession game. It's going to be high-scoring. I, I, I see this being... A game that's that's run by the deep by the Seattle defense. So I'm gonna go with the Seahawks. I'm gonna go with the Commanders in a high scoring game. Really? They don't mm-hmm. have a defense. I just, I mean I just Seattle really though. Yeah, not after last week as games like, but yeah. And then we're gonna go with Sunday night football. It's the New York Jets going to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. The Jets are one and a half point favorite. I'm going with the Raiders. If the Jets had any other quarterback other than Zach Wilson, who was just if they had a quarterback who was marginally better than Zach Wilson, I'd go with the Jets. But because they don't, I'm gonna go with the Raiders just because I think I think they have more offensive talent that is used properly better than the Jets, if that makes sense. But the Jets have Garrett Wilson, they have Reese Hall, like they have playmakers. I just don't trust that Zach Wilson is gonna be able to get them the ball. And I trust Aiden O'Connell, the mid-round rookie quarterback. To be better than Zach Wilson. That's basically what I'm thinking on, and I think that's going to happen. I will go mm-hmm. with Raiders in this game. Raiders, yep. Monday Night Football. Denver Broncos go to Buffalo to play the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo's a seven-and-a-half point favorite. I'm going Broncos. I'm going to go with the Bills. I think if the Bills have any playoff – if you have any playoff hopes, you win this game. If you lose this game, you can write off the Bills, put it down. I will go with the Bills. They can't lose this game. This is a home game against the Broncos. If you lose this game, you're not making the playoffs. Put me down for the Bills. Yeah, I'm going to the Broncos. I don't like Sean Payton at all. I think he's an overrated coach, but I still love Russell Wilson. Disappointed in him, but I think I, – I, I said I stink. I think that both of these guys can have um, a pattern that's created where they go off with the momentum from uh, beating the Chiefs um, and going forward into this week because I believe what well, last week was their bye, correct? So doing that, creating that pattern – and then making that team believe we have a serious chance because we beat arguably two of the top three teams in the in the AFC, um, in the Bills and the Chiefs. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Broncos. And that wraps it up for this uh, for Week Ten's games. Anything else you want to add, Jess? Uh, I think we're starting to see kind of who the contenders are in the AFC, who they are in the NFC. In the NFC, you have the Eagles, who they have some flaws, but you you know who they are. Then the, I would say the tier two teams, you start to see San Francisco 
are they going to be good enough at quarterback? You see the Lions. Are they ready for this? Are they ready to make a run? Maybe a team like a Dallas. Are they going to get good coaching and quarterback play? The answer is probably no, but they have the talent to play with any team in the NFC. Then in the AFC, you have a team like the Chiefs. You have a team like the Ravens. The Bengals are starting to emerge. You're starting to see who the real teams are, uh, both in the AFC and NFC. And I think it's starting to get exciting because we're we're figuring out who's who are the real power players are in the NFL. If the, if the Browns beat the Ravens, what does that say about the Browns? I think it says two things. I think it says that the Browns' defense is good enough to carry them. I still don't think they're Super Bowl good, but if they play a team like the Steelers, the Bengals, the Ravens in the playoffs, they can beat them. Uh, and if the Ravens lose this game, that's basically telling you exactly my entire thoughts about this. They're a front-running team. That Yeah, if they're playing from ahead, they're fine. If they're playing in a close game or they have to play throwing the ball and having to come back, they're going to be in a tough position and they're probably not going to be able to do it. Let's hope they lose. We may have some interesting bets this week, Jess. Well, um, yeah, you, oh, one last point. You look at the AFC. The Jaguars down the stretch have a pretty tough schedule. The Ravens, obviously, the Bengals. You start to look at it. The Chiefs have three tough games left on their schedule. You play the Eagles. You play, which may not be as tough of a game, but you play Buffalo. And then you play Cincinnati. If you win two of those three games, you're probably definitely going to be the one seed. You go out there and you beat the Eagles after the bye week, you're, you're, you're in a great position to be the one seed. And once again, that, that would be huge because you would have a team like Miami or one of these teams with a bad offense like the Browns coming into your building. And I think that's a tough position to put teams that have super big deficiencies is in Arrowhead Stadium in a tough environment versus a team that has played in these games a lot. Well, the Dolphins and the Rams have both have a bye week this week, um, so there's only 14 games played. But when they come back, the Seahawks are going to go against the Rams at the Rams, and the Raiders are going to go against the Dolphins. I could see the Raiders being competitive in that game um, next week. So this is going to be – this week is going to tell a lot, and it's either going to be give their team some room for a loss. if they can. Like, so if they win this week, they have breathing room if they if they have a winning record to lose one that they shouldn't lose, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is this is going to be a very interesting week. Um, the Seahawks have got to beat the Commanders if that's the case, um, because obviously the Rams signed Carson Wentz. I still think he's a horrible quarterback. I shouldn't even be in the league. And if but if he's backing up Matthew Stafford, and Matthew Stafford comes back next week after having the bye this week. It's going to be a competitive game against the Seahawks next week. So if they need any breathing room, the Seahawks are going to have to beat the Commanders with everything they got. But that's all I got this week, Jess. Um, any more notes? Or are you good? Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Referendum Podcast brought to you by Finn Flam Sports. We would like to invite you to like us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you can find somebody, we are there. TikTok, please like, subscribe, follow, whatever you can do to give us your support. We truly appreciate it. We hope to see you next time. You don't stop. What's happening in the world today? You don't. You don't. You don't. We need to make a change one day.